Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. Dogs of Warcry is a podcast from the Mortal Realms focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. You can expect discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain, campaigns, and events. Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. In episode 2 of season 5, we're going to dive into the narrative section of the Heart of Gur, and you've all been waiting for this. We're going to discuss our experiences with the campaigns and the narrative quests, and uh, kind of share our opinions on how it compares to the previous version. And with me this week, I have Eric and Vint. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Hi, hi, Vint. Hi, Josh. Hello, hello. Coming off of uh, episode one release, still excited that we're in season five. I know. It's crazy. So much gnarlwood. So much. Gnarly, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for this episode, too. I think it's fitting uh, that, I mean, and it makes sense, too, that we were big proponents of narrative and, uh, you know, uh, what did they, what did we call it in the previous version? Was it champion? Trial of champions. Trial of champions, uh, which is now just narrative play. Right. Um, I know. And, and so. We're big fans of that. And before we get into like how the game plays and get down the nuts and bolts in that, which might be the next episode, we want to talk about the narrative part of this and what it's like uh, getting into leagues and campaigns. And we've all played a ton at this point. And I'm sure listeners, I hope, I hope you've all been as blessed as us in playing lots of games, but I'm sure it's not, it's not the case for everybody. So hopefully we can bring our thoughts uh, so that any games you do play are as valuable as they can be. All right, I shut that. Quiet, quiet on the set, everybody. <laughs> you, you summed it up so nicely. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's uh, let's have a great episode. Uh, everybody, uh, get that energy up. Let's start with uh, the Forge of Mithraxis, uh, and let's talk about what hobby we've been working on. Uh, Vint, what you been working on? What's on your hobby desk? Well, uh, I've been working on some Enlightened. I've got... Uh... I'm really, really excited about the uh, the Age of Sigmar Disciples of Zeech release, so I've been pushing through a lot of that stuff. But of course, I've got a Mutalith Vortex piece that is about to get uh, get some paint thrown at him. Uh, he's built and primed and ready to go. He's even seen the table a couple times in his half-naked tentacle state. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then I've also, uh, I threw up a survey this this last week uh, as we're about to start in our local league, uh, kind of a reset and start over, um, now that we've got some reps under our belts. Uh, so I've been throwing together just some of the original warbands because I haven't, you know, it's with Warcry, you kind of build your one or two or three sets and you don't have a lot of, a lot of like the same, we're going to build like 10 unmade kits. Like that's, uh, there's probably not a lot of people out there doing that. And, um, it was just nice to go back through and, and kind of, remember like, oh, I really liked how this weird hook arm went on or man, this, you know, these bolas on top of these iron golems are pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and so going through and, and rebuilding some of those just, or building some of those, it's just been a lot of fun. So, um, so uh, if I may interrupt, what was the survey result? So the survey results uh, as at time of podcast is a tie oh. between disciples of Zeech mortals 
and the uh, the Corvus Cabal. Okay. With an honorable mention to Spire Tyrants, uh, there was a, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. large group of people that messaged me that they liked the Spire Tyrants as well. So a three way tie uh, at twelve nice. votes. So I'll uh, I'll probably give it till. Uh, you know, time of recording is Friday. I'll probably give it till Mon- Sunday or Monday, and mm-hmm. then I'll figure out what else I need to do and go from there. <laughs> now, sometimes when I put it up for a vote and I'm unsure and somebody says, oh, do this one, I can tell by my internal reaction whether I like wish I had or had not put it on the list. Are there any of them that you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't put that on the list? You know, not really. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited about all of them. I've played Unmade before, and I've liked them. But my models, uh, anybody else listening has put Unmade together. They are some fragile friends. So putting together a new group of them has been good and kind of fun and relaxing. Like, oh, look, like they, they have all their parts. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. And you've been uh, playing same with like, Mortals, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, and I am playing Zeech Mortals right now, and they've mm-hmm. been a blast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with all the, the lore with the new uh, Battle Tome and Age of Sigmar, it's just been a lot of good. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm spoiled for choice, and that's yeah. why I was like, you know what, gentle listeners, why don't you uh, tell me what you want to hear more about? And <laughs> yesterday I checked, and there was a few votes. And today I checked, and there was I think there was an uptick of about uh, ten or eleven votes. So everything jumped a ton. Nice. Um, Spire Tyrants had like one vote up until today, and now they have, you know, they're tied at twelve. Like. <laughs> They really jumped. There was a lot of people that voted uh, in the various places. Uh, I posted it to um, I, I play on the Tundra Tactics team here. That's that's local and uh, posted in their group chat too. And there are people voting there and sending me DMs of their votes. Um, so it's it's great. I'm I'm happy to get so much feedback from so many people. Right. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people very excited about it. So very cool. So you're gonna be so regardless. What I think you're trying to do is is. Uh is you're trying to be the, the warband of the people, so the people cheer for you the most, right? Uh, yes, or, or cheer against me the most. Either way, so. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'm cheering. fine being infamous. I'm, I'm going to take the one with the lowest votes. <laughs> I, think, I think I voted for the, um, the Corvus Cabal. I did, too. Because I just haven't seen them on the table much. Yep. yep. Uh, Paul was the only and, one. Yeah, Paul had them in our, in our group the first. And I know that we've got more elevated terrain in this one. Um, and so maybe that, maybe that'll be good for them because I know <laughs> elevation is something they need. Yeah. I was looking at it too. And the, some of the action and activity priority is super good. Nice. Uh, and I, I feel like they have a lot of play in this current edition. Um, they're a slightly faster than average. They, they run around, um, with a good number of attacks. Um, they have ways to get around terrain which I've noticed like the ability to ignore height of terrain when you have mm-hmm. uh, things like the large skull with the trumpet right? Um, and some of the other things like it just ha- being able to ignore vertical distance is going to be such yeah. a huge, huge carry uh, for yeah. the war band. Yeah. And then now and, and the, definitely there. Yeah. Their fighters are just fun. Um, I've gotten to play them before uh, just cause I bought the models and I thought they were neat. And I built one one warband of them, so I just am going to buy. You know, I'll get the one more if they win, and uh, build the second half. So nice. It should be good. The the models are super great. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Very cool, Josh. What's been happening on your table? Um. Yeah. Well, I think since 
since our last podcast, kind of through our last podcast and, and through now, I got all the Heart of Gur terrain painted. Uh, nice. There's a couple pieces where I want to do just a, a couple highlights, and I'd like to add some flocking and grasses and stuff to the board and to, into the terrain. But overall, I've got it all painted, and I'm really happy with how it looks. And it's like actually the first set I have completely completely painted. You know, the the OG set I have base coated, and some of it's been highlighted and and what and shaded, but not all of it yet. So it's like, okay, finally I got a full set. Just in time for the next one's coming out soon, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta say, I mean, seeing it in person, playing with it, uh, you know, when I first, again, first saw the terrain in pictures, I wasn't sure, but I love playing with it in person. And you've, you've picked out some great colors. I would, you know, and, and like you said, knowing that the next box is going to have um, other stuff that kind of expands it. It's, I'm tempted to get the first, bo- you know, this first box, the Heart of Gur terrain, and and then this uh, expansion too. So, it's a lot of really cool terrain. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and also, I um, I've been playing the Chaos Legionnaires a little bit uh, this latter half of our uh, kind of a original season of uh, league, and uh, put together the Centurion Marshal and got to put him in a couple games, and he's been fun. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, fun. For- you. <laughs> no, no, it's been fun circumstances. Fun. I lost him outright in one game, and I'll have to share he's that later. It was absolutely hilarious. I can't but, believe how big he is. Yeah, yeah, he's enormous. You know, and he's got all the tricks. He's got nets. He's got spears. He's got clubs. You know, he's, he's yeah. a really neat model. He's got lots of abilities. But uh, I mean, he's got a he's got as big a base as some monsters do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, he's definitely a yeah, really he's, really nice model. But he's it was fun to play against and and tie up with little guys and have some fun with. So. <laughs> indeed, cool, indeed. cool. How about you, Eric? What you been working on? Well, um, I uh, so when we started the league, uh, and I'll talk more about you know the warband a little bit. Is uh, um, I did Cities of Sigmar, uh, but I I needed a little bit of of punch, and so I talked over with one of our local guys, uh, Mike, and he. Pour, he likes building lists maybe more than I do. Um, and so he poured through like the order, all of the order allies, um, leaders and stuff. And was like, Oh, you could do this, this or this. And I was like, I don't know what makes sense story-wise. And so I landed on, um, Kurnoth Hunter ally. Um, and you know, I liked all the Kurnoth Hunter allies, the, uh, bow or the sword or the scythe. And so I made a plan to start, but but they I couldn't go with tree people because why would tree people work with um, industrial cog machines? And so uh, I decided that the that the cog fort was going to try and build their own uh, mechanized uh, Kurnoths. Uh, and so I I <laughs> I had a started with a uh, a kill a can uh, orc forty uh, k orc base and added some. Uh, cool bits to it to make it less uh, orky and more uh, industrial. And so they, the story is they took their uh, first um, machine and or one of their work machines and turned it into a fighting machine. And then I've uh, uh, <laughs> made a plan to have a Mark One, a Mark Two, and a Mark Three, uh, so that eventually I could get the oh I can't remember I I always blank on the name uh, for it's it's a forty k uh, Sisters of Battle penitent engine I think. Uh, well, the penitent engine was the second is Mark two. And then my ultimate is to get one of, they have what's called the, um, oh man, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Uh, no, it's called a, 
a war suit, but it has a Paragon war suit and there's a hero uh, that's, you know, uh, just fits really well and looks really cool and is, you know, it's uh, it's more streamlined. So I went from the bulky killer can mm-hmm. to the penitent engine to this uh, Paragon war suit hero um, yet to get uh, them on the game. But uh, yeah, so I've just been, <laughs> I've been spending all my hobby money and time uh, <laughs> initially on these three models as a progression of this one unit sort of. So uh, it's been fun. Great telling that story. Um, I'll talk more about the story and why I needed to get something with some punch. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's been part of my hobby is just working on this one part of my story through the models that, that I'm painting up. I decided I wanted to, I, I was digging up some old stuff and uh, there was a, a game back when we had age of Sigmar skirmish that was created, you know, just as a, a fan project. Uh, we had a, um, an event called um, here in town that was called uh, all hallows siege. And it was a big siege battle. Uh, and to, to emulate tunneling under the walls, I made this kind of a catacombs game. And it was using old Zone Mortalis uh, terrain, which were these like six by six, six inch by six inch squares with set like wall structures to them. And I set up the board and you'd run through. And when you like get too close to a wall, you'd pick up that piece you'd rotate it one direction or the other and set it back down and so it was this shifting labyrinth and i w- saw that old battle plan and i was like "Ooh, i can kind of want to do that and since we're here in the narwood and we're heading towards talaxis which i imagine to have some areas that are very labyrinth like i wanted to create recreate that board but i wanted to use it to practice my 3d some 3d building uh, and 3d printing uh, and so i managed to build a whole cardboard version of this, which we just were talking about, you know, if we did a catacomb, you know, day uh, at, at a league night or whatever, I could bring in my cardboard set and and test it out and see what people think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I started printing kind of the first versions of that had a couple of successful prototypes. uh, And then my printer uh, uh, futzed out with a heating issue. So I've got to get that fixed, but uh, I've been, I've been working some 3d printing stuff, which has been pretty fun. So, Hopefully, I can get that back on track and and build a little um, Seraphon vault ship interior maze. Oh yes, It'd be a great multiplayer game. Yeah, but that's what's been on my table. Uh, yeah, that's been that's been what's been on my table. I know, awesome. We've all been busy, you know, doing so much hobby, throwing yeah. stuff on the table. It's been nasty seeing what gets out there. Yeah, I've got one more thing, but I'll save that for the circle of paint challenge discussion excellent okay well with that then we will jump into the path to glory where we talk about our war bands and the quests and games that we played and since our last podcast we have done a lot it's been a lot of fun and uh, vint even participated in an event so you know i'll start with you vint kind of share you know what you've been doing what war band you've been playing and what kind of lore you have um you know with with them and what you had in mind with them yeah, so I, it has been a lot of games. It was uh, it's been a very industrious time for us in the last last couple of weeks here. Um, I went down to Bloomington, Illinois, and I participated in FlatCon and got to meet with a bunch of the players. Some of them I already knew, some of them I didn't, and uh, got to play alongside some really cool people. Uh, a couple of our listeners, which was really cool. Um, 
it was nice to see and meet you. And right away, they're like, oh, you're on Dogs of Warcraft. I was like, oh, cool. The new guy, almost <laughs> famous now. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was <laughs> nice. super fun. We went through and the the hobby level was so incredible. Like everybody there just had these remarkable pieces. Everything was super cool and we had a blast. Uh, I ended up doing pretty well in the event and I was pretty happy with that. And the games were fun. The missions playing some match play was a little different than our normal league nights. And I ran uh, my Darko Savagers there because they were uh, gifted to me from a friend in Illinois. So I figured if I'm going to be there, I should bring that war band and beat up on some folks um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just play the, the Darko Savagers. I didn't realize uh, there is one of my friends there, Travis came up to me towards the, the we're about to do the last game. And he goes, Hey, I think you're over there on that, that top table. And I laughed at him because I thought he was joking. And then, <laughs> then I went and sat down. I was like, Oh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was pretty funny. I was, I was having too much fun uh, just hanging out and talking with people. And what a great community down there. It's really good to see. There's people from Rockford. There's people from Bloomington. It was just awesome. And and what a good event. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was it was a great time. I, I did get to, uh, in our narrative league, I got to play one of my, uh, one, one crazy mission. If anybody has played Isolation <laughs> as a mission, man. What a trip. <laughs> I, played, I played it in 1.0. I have not played it in the new version. But yeah, it's, it can be vicious. It can be vicious. It's, it's mean. Um, <laughs> uh, I quested uh, since we've last talked and caught my Mutalith Vortex Beast so I can now play him. But like I said, we're going to reset the league. So he's going to be an early purchase this time, not so late. <laughs> um, and kind of got my, you know, I played the video game once and now I know I can go back and change the choices I've made right. and, and make, make a warband that makes a little more sense. And uh, so I'm very excited to do that with whatever warband I end up picking uh, through the Discord chat and go after that Mutalith again. But my first game after I caught the Mutalith, Josh helped me, I was able to go and play in a three-way game. And I've been doing a lot of those where there's three-player maps and three-player missions and we're just kind of flying, flying whatever we can and, and make, kind of making it up as you go along. And there's a lot of fun to that. So playing those games uh, were awesome. Um, but right out of the gate, my, my monster kind of lumbered around and everybody ran away. And he, uh, he made it so everybody tied in one of the missions because he pulled somebody off of the, the King of the Hill mission. And I was hoping he could knock it over, right? You have to be on the highest point in the, on the table. And I got him right up next to it and was hoping for a quad that last turn, but no such luck. Um, <laughs> instead, I just had to settle for a double and pulled the guy off the top. Right at the end. That works. <laughs> um, Come here. So, yeah, get over here. Um, so that was, that was fun. And I've done a, a few missions with the new rules in Catacombs. And one of the things that we talked about uh, at League last week was with the shooting if you get targeted, you have to roll, and on a one you fall, you make a fall check. And uh, with catacombs, it would seem that that fall check, if you're in it within an inch of the lava, would be you fall into the lava, and via catacombs rules, you die. Yeah, yeah, half an inch. Yeah, and that's any any attack, melee or any shooting. attack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so uh, the not to be a wet blanket, um, <laughs> but. To some extent, some of like the the locations are rule specific. So, would you take catacombs rules first as the first layer of that, like whatever old Warcry, or or would they supersede 
that rule of, of sh- you know, like if you hit somebody or any attack causes a fall. Um, that, I mean, that, that seems like it'd be pretty crazy in catacombs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great question because, you know, we don't have any updated rules for catacombs, but the, the revised rule set for falling is any hit you make a roll. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it, it was, uh, it's actually been, I, I did get to try it and it was all the brutality you'd, you'd hope, right? Like <laughs> people were like, it was, it was like the, the area around the lava was already full of grease. It was fantastic. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, uh, I, I, so many games. It's been so great. Our, our local game group is getting bigger. We've got more new players every week. And we're just really, you know, it's really a treasure to be able to get the games in. I really hope everybody else has been getting their games in too because mm. it's so fun. Yeah. This edition is just a blast. Yeah. Uh, Eric, would you please share some of your, your games and your war band and your, I mean, it's been yeah. awesome to see them on the table. And, and as you mentioned before, the progression of your, <laughs> Your Kurnoth Hunter has been awesome to see, and I, I am <laughs> sorry for my part in it making it advanced to Mark II. <laughs> well, there was a little bit of awesome it, to partake. <laughs> inspired by our uh, uh, the things we must overcome, uh, the so I'm playing Cities of Sigmar, and uh, prior I would say I can't remember when I started. I started working on a Cog Fort army. I don't know, maybe about five years ago, and uh, I'm using a lot of uh, 40k Adeptus Mechanicus stuff. So, you know, if you take the regular Skitari models and put a human head on it, it just looks like they're wearing kind of techie armor or, you know, a little more ornate armor. And it's cool also because there's a lot of prosthetics. So you think about a, you know, sword, of, sword and board fighters who, you know, get an arm ha- hacked off and then get a prosthetic with a sword attached to it so they can get back out and keep working. Uh, it's very industrial. It's very uh, not not kind, not humane uh, group. So I started with that warband and quickly saw that like the the I had mostly guys on foot, and that wasn't necessarily going to work well with Warcry. I needed, and they weren't. They're not all that. They're not high. You know, a high killy army. They've got some toughness for stuff laying around. So I quickly uh, picked out some models to be changed my leader to a sharpshooter uh, who has probably one of the the stronger shooting attacks um, you know in the game I've got an outrider and a pistolier and so I, I, I found the Cerberus the 40k Adeptus Mechanicus Cerberus riders or raiders as great models for this uh, but again human heads on them you know paint up more of the stuff as you know leather and and cloth and that sort of thing and it becomes much more cog 40. And so I played very much with like, you know, three models on horse, a couple of uh, crossbows, some sword and board. And for the most part, I was competitive in like two out of three game types. If we had to kill somebody, something, I wasn't doing well at that. Um, And uh, but if it was, you know, objective, I did all right. If it was um, uh, treasure, I was, you know, excelling at that, which was which was fun to be able to kind of whip around the board really fast. Mounts can't climb. They can only do stairs. So the current terrain has, you know, doesn't always have a way, a path up onto the, onto the walkways and stuff like that. But it's, you know, it's worked out. Uh, Being able to go 10 to 20 inches on a, you know, 20 by 30 board is pretty good. You still kind of, still corners, you, you know, you can't hide from everything. 
But I ran into some uh, a couple of war bands, specifically uh, Josh's Beastman war band with his what? is that a Doom Bowl? Yes, and and a, uh, a dragon dragon ogre, ogre and a cockatrice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they you know sort of just one shot a lot of my stuff, uh, which I mean, again I've got pretty fragile stuff. My guys and horses are tough three, you know, eighteen wounds. It's not a lot to go through. Um, and I, I sort of like, you know, come to grips that they're not that tough. They're going to get smashed. So they're, I joke that my, my defense is uh, movement 10. Uh, <laughs> and they've got some good, like, bonus disengage actions and that sort of stuff. So most of the time, even if you, they're down to, like, one or two wounds, I can get them out of harm's way and, like, they can survive. But not always. I think my outrider has died, like, four times. Uh, or, like, slain, like, four times. But anyway. So, and then I fought Mike's corn uh, army. Who has he's got double current off or double Korgorath, uh, and a, and a few other you know uh, yeah, smashy yeah. Nasty. things. Nasty, nasty. And again, I, I you know I played like a, an objective mission against him, and you know we, it got real close. Uh, he was just able to kill a few more things than than I had to spare. So the in a story wise, this warband, this cog fort, stepped into like a disguised realm gate, uh, disguised like a puddle of water, sucked the whole cog for into Gur into the Narlwood or the outskirts of the Narlwood and there's no way back and so they're venturing into uh, the woods they're sending their scouts into the woods and they're seeing they're finding demons they're finding the most terrible thing ever and so they needed to go back and figure out something they went back to the fort and they're like we need something bigger scarier meaner to fight what's in that uh, the Narlwood so they came up with the can off hunter which is a basically a tin can version uh, i love the lore i love the lore behind nicknamed this. The, awesome. the, the cog of wrath the cog of wrath and so uh i built up that first one went back into the fray found mike's corgorath and put one of them down uh which was pretty fun uh, technically he probably could have put mine down first but we both got some rules wrong but doesn't matter this is what happened that that model was a lot of fun it's i that chose the Kernoff Hunter with bow, so it's got a shooting attack and a, a weaker melee attack. But I I chose to use it as as melee first, so always running towards uh, melee. And then that one, I think I played two games with that, maybe, and it was slain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, no, no. So so that was part of the part of the game is that that one's slain. So then uh, I can go quest for. Oh, we need an upgrade. We need to make it stronger, better, faster. Uh, and so I've got the penitent engine built up to be sort of a, I didn't build it like exactly like it has it in the, as the model comes, of course, but you know, that one's come out and that one's done some, some good work has, uh, uh, taken down some, some corn has, uh, you know, sawn through some, some beasts and all that, this and that and, and the other, um, yeah, very still struggling against ogres uh, a little bit, but that's okay. So yeah, we've, uh, we've gotten to the point where, Almost ready to bring in the Kernoth with Scythe, but as we'll get to kind of like narrative and hero and and you know uh, items and and uh, heroic traits and that sort of stuff, uh, the sword guy might be the better option for me long term. Uh, yeah, just so the we're we're trying to get back in the fight. Keeping we got mostly you know have all our speed. I'm playing flirting with wild riders or yeah the wild riders from uh, you know the elves because you know not relying on shooting something that's a little more run in and, and try and fight things. And we'll see how that happens or how that works out. So um, I, it's been nice to kind of float around. Um, 
primarily the human side of the cities of Sigmar mm-hmm. and see how the units play, et cetera. But now I'm starting to dip into some of the other ones just to, I don't know, mid max a little bit, but just take advantage of, you know, where their strengths and their weaknesses are as a whole group. So, yeah, um, that's definitely where the allies help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm enjoying playing kind of a, a weak human warband that gets its butt handed to it a lot. Uh, and then I'm trying, I'm working on my not feeling bad when I, you know, take all the treasure and make it a non game. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to let myself have those uh, yeah. after all the, the beatings I take. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and then playing lots of games, like I said, yeah, um, I get beat up a lot. And I lose, uh, I lose a lot of, I, I lose half my warband often, and I have to rebuy some miniatures here and there, uh, or some fighters here and there, which is still fun. That's been my games. I, yeah, I've yeah. been impressed. Like we've gotten tons of games in with with the league night, and my son has started playing my uh, mule privateer ogres, which was one of the warbands I was thinking of playing early on, and he went through the rules and he found. Uh, that the gut Lord has a five ten damage profile. And he's like, I want that one. <laughs> and he's been wiping the floor with me here at home. So, Ouch. you know, uh, I play, you know, I finally got the best of them the other night, but I had to play with a different warband to do that. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that next time. As we get into our next league, I'll have another army to talk about next week or next episode. Right. Um, uh, I think these guys, it's just, yeah, it's been fun. I've got, one more unit to add to it, which I'll talk about again in the uh, circle of paint challenge, but it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed the story of these guys, even if they're not winners all the time. Yeah. Just kind of semi related to that. I know there is a cities of Sigmar, which includes KO, which I know you, you haven't talked about yet, but you could do like a combination of the two. Well, there's certainly the ability to add allies in from KO, mm-hmm. but I think the KO allies a little more expensive than the Kurnoff allies. Sure. So, sure. Yep. So I'm trying to trying to add stuff in without losing too many numbers. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah. How about you, Josh? I, I've been uh I played a little bit of the Chaos Legionnaires when we were figuring out the rule sets. And then um then I jumped kind of full in the league with my my Beasts of Chaos Wendigo Warband. And I, they they were a blast to play. I played them for quite a bit, and then I got kind of got stuck on one of my quests where I just did not have the numbers. I only had six models, which was fairly low, you know, three really beefy models and three not so beefy models, you know. So, um, you know, I anticipated that some missions would be difficult. The interesting part is that the warband, everything is entirely converted, which you know, what, you know, Eric does in his sleep. You know, <laughs> I have a little well, bit more effort I have to put forth. Well, to get it done. <laughs> I mean. You're doing a little more than just like kit bashing, <laughs> which is what I usually rely on is having like pieces of other models and bits to glue together. Oh, right, you're, right. <laughs> you're scraping and, and sculpting. Dremeling and, and yeah. sculpting. And yeah, yeah. The, I, I love, I love how the, you know, the, the visual appeal of the war band and the lore that I've got behind it. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I totally dig. Uh, since I had reached some missions where I needed more numbers I had to put them on hold because I had to convert the models to move forward with that particular warband. So I, I started kind of jumping in with the Chaos Legionnaires, and uh, I enjoy how they play. They've got fairly well-rounded stats, toughness, attacks, strength, pretty pretty well-balanced warband overall. 
and I had a lot of fun playing them. You know, they, they can, you know, the Warband right out of the box is eight models, um, you know, with no additional conversions or anything else. And, and I thought they played fairly well. And then later I added the Centurion Marshal and, and, uh, after I got a, an encampment, I added some more points. I was able to drop one model and add the Centurion Marshal, and still had eight mm. models. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was amazing, and uh, you know he's got some really fun abilities. His quad is absolutely hilarious. You know, it's not it's not like a rampage, but he can spear a model, and if he hits a crit, he pulls that model towards him, and then he can use his club attacks. And then, uh, you know, so he can get all these rounds of attacks, but you have to get a crit hit on the spear attack and some other stuff. And mm. it actually worked in my last game, which is nice. absolutely hilarious with Mike. But we were playing on my custom board and, and his, uh, his, his beastman knocked him down onto the, onto the floor. And this particular mission had a, a twist where they were creatures in the darkness. So if you had any models that were not within three, three inches of another model, on a you know there was a chance that you know your opponent could select them and then and the monster in the darkness could grab them mm. so, so unfortunately uh he happened to be more than three inches from any models after he got dropped down to the basement of this labyrinth and in mike rolled a six <laughs> and my centurion marshal was gone you know the only redeeming factor is i rolled a six for his his cornate warrior and it was gone but uh, yeah. definitely not comparable points wise. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just happy he got his quad off. I got to see how it worked. That was fun. That's awesome. <laughs> I missed on his net ability, but you know that that's definitely a neat feature that could be could be a lot of fun to use. The model, like Eric said, is very large, um, very intimidating, and forward to painting it in the Legionnaires at some point in the future. But uh, but had a lot of good games. Uh, I think definitely a well rounded warband uh, with a lot of good options. And uh, I just need to kind of pad out my Wendigo Warband a little bit more with some numbers. And I think I really enjoyed playing with that one in the future. So tell us real quick the, the lore behind your Wendigo Warband. I don't, did you talk about that last time? Uh, I didn't really. I, I kind of wrote up some, some uh, lore and put it in our forum where we've been kind of doing some narrative uh, tracking. I kind of struggled with some different ideas at, for a while. But, um, but what I would decided to go with is that the... The cockatrice in the, in the Wendigo Warband, uh, I actually use the the flying tree that's part of the Sylvaneth spell uh, package. You know, so so it's this tree was was kind of residing near Talaxis and got hit by a storm and and ravaged by the spirit of Gur, which has been spreading throughout um, you know the the realm. You know, based on the the rise of the beast, it's like you know similar to the Kron Spike. Um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I can't remember what they're called, the crown spike creatures where the, where the bones are being animated by amber bone. Um, oh, so right, a right. piece of amber bone was, was digested by this little narlok and the spirit of Gur kind of raged into it and, and awoken it essentially. And so it gained the ability of flight and acts as my cockatrice. And it flew, you know, throughout the Narwood and found this Beast of Chaos warband uh, deep in the, in the Narwood and landed on their herdstone and used that power to transform them into the Wendigo, into these ever-hungry, ravening spirits of Gur. You know, so they, they can't, they've been transformed from what they were into these, these creatures that are seeking to defend the Narl Narwood and defend Gur by destroying any intruders. 
and uh, so that's kind of the, the the lore behind them. And so my my doom bull is the leader, and I've got some beastigors and gores and uh, a dragon ogre and, and the cockroaches. So I'll probably have to shift nice. that a little bit to get some more beastigors, perhaps in there to get a few additional numbers until I get yeah. better encampment for that particular war. And they're all all skull faced and fur covered, and that's a lot of sculpting and you know shaved off armor and that sort of thing. Like exactly. It's it's a scary war. It is a thing <laughs> intimidating looking war band. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. So that's that's super cool. I just wanted to make sure that, that the listeners got to hear the the lore behind uh, this. They're they're chaos, but they have been swayed by uh, by Gur exactly. Um, and this this gnarl oak that's really cool. Uh, Vint, tell did you have any? Uh, we didn't talk about it. Or maybe since you were the first one, we didn't. I brought it up. Do you have lore for your uh, disciples of Zinch? So for my chaos, my, my Zichian warband, Zirin Cathalis is my leader. He's an ogroid thamaturge that has been sent uh, into Gur um, as he's traveled through the eight points already with the a gaunt summoner has sent him on a quest to go and build footholds for Zich in Gur. So with the, the influx of Zangors or regular Vestigors and Beastmen being turned into the Zangors, uh, he has gone out and has attracted a following as he goes and crushes some of his competition for warband leaders. And uh, he's he's been trying to build settlements and take lands. I thought that was a really cool part of the new rules set. Is you know you can take these encampments, but I really liked that you know making that the quest. Like let's just make it so he goes out there and does that. Um, so right away, I quested to try and get my uh, my chaos territory and build a a large shrine to the god of change. And I had done it, but apparently I had done it with too much bravado because I was found out immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he he's done very well. He um, he's watched I think one too many Goku videos and uh, definitely charges up his Kamehameha attack. And has thrown some some nasty uh, arcane bolts into uh, some Wendigos here and there, as well as some other things. Yeah, yeah, I attest. <laughs> I attest. <laughs> witness, witness. witness. Uh, he 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 gets beat up once in a while by some stormcast, but and for the story and the narrative, uh, it's been really fun to write and and really get back into writing. You know, mission by mission, what has happened. Even if I, you know, I should be posting more of it in the Discord, but the it's just it's just fun to get back into that narrative aspect. A lot of the other gaming I do is for like, you know, events and, you know, for different systems that aren't as narrative focused and it's just so liberating and freeing to do. Yeah, and it's certainly it's nice that uh, Joe and Mike are, are so into the narrative too that they want to post their results and how things go because it kind of encourages all of us to kind of chip in and do that too, which is definitely been a nice uh, addition to this particular league. Before we move on to the visions of madness, uh, you know, since you know we did talk a little bit about it, we are kicking off a formal league um, next week. You know, after this particular podcast, we're doing eight weeks. We've got some you know fun titles that we're going to do. Everybody's starting from scratch. We're going to keep track of everything. You know, we talked a little bit about it, but what war bands are you guys thinking of bringing for this next particular league, Eric? Why don't you start? Yeah, you know, when we decided, you know, when we were talking about it, I was like, well, oh, I'm really enjoying my, my Cities of Sigmar, Greywater Fastness. And spoiler, I'm thinking about moving them to Living City 
as they've spent more time in the woods and stuff. But I, so I wasn't sure, but, and so I have a few war bands that I was like, oh, I'll pull these off and maybe see how it goes. And I, um, started pulling out my Drukari drawn overlords, which are my sky elves, which use, um, Drukari 40 K models, uh, to, and brightly colored, uh, to be more cheerful. Uh, so they are kind of like my, yeah, they're sky elves, uh, ether, ether surfing, uh, sailing sky elves. And so I'm going to play a KO warband. I like flyers. So I like fast movement. So that was a no brainer. And then, um, trying to figure out the balance to get enough models because those flyers, when you have flying and movement and shooting and good melee attacks, you're expensive. So these, uh, these are expensive, uh, you know, model, you know, the, to have some punch caught, there's a little bit of a tax on it, a, a rifle or a, a range attack tax. And then how do I get enough models to be competitive in a objective game or that sort of thing? So, uh, trying out a list, honing it down, getting some practice against my son's ogres, uh, and to see what what works and get some testing in, you know, so that I'm primed, I can beat everybody because that's my main goal always. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just enjoying uh, to. I didn't, I wasn't as excited, but once I started pulling them out and saying, oh, maybe I could put this in and put this in, it was and seeing the models out of there, you know packed away and getting them out was was exciting so I'm, yeah. I'm gonna put them on the table and see what we can do awesome awesome how about you Vin? i know you've been you know got the survey you've got three different uh tide war bands so we're essentially just waiting until sunday monday yeah, sunday monday out. i think um i'll have i'll have it all ready for you next podcast <laughs> do you do you have one that you are leaning towards or that you would prefer to have you know uh, I really am excited about all of them, and I don't want to—I don't want to skew any listeners' voting. But by the time this probably gets published, maybe the votes will already be in. I don't know. I—I I like all three. I, I've liked the Spire Tyrant since they launched because I've always had, like, I've always enjoyed the idea of gladiators and running through Karngard with their uh, convergences when they launched was just such a cool quest line. And then getting into the branching quest that there were theirs too so fun and i just i i liked playing them before um and i think i would try a very different list than what i was playing before i played a very sturdy you know lots of shields uh list and i think i'd be moving more towards extra blades and some of the models that i just liked for the hobby like there's some really cool ones there's one that has like a vega from street fighter mask on and they're just they're really neat uh it's a really neat kit um so i like that spire tyrants made it up there of course, I'd like to continue the story of Zirian Catholic. He's he's done some good things for me, and I think uh, I think he continues to change how it works. Yeah, and with some enlightened and some other reinforcements, maybe this next time around, it will we'll see how it plays out. And then you, you just you can't go wrong with the Corvus Cabal models. It's another beautiful model range, and I think they have a little bit more play in this edition uh, than they did before. And with some of their points adjustments, I just I feel like they're in the you know, they've finally risen to the top and they're in their preferred striking positions. So uh, I've got some backstories ready for all of them. Um, and I'm excited to see how they would all work in Gur, uh, with, with the different ways they would play. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I've, uh, I've been thinking about it lately, you know, I'm kind of, I, I really want to play the J- Jade Obelisk when they come out. 
because they remind me of like, you know, immortals from Turkey, you know, the Ottoman Empire sort of, you know, and I was like, oh, those guys look so awesome. But obviously, in the meantime, we'll have to play something else. So I've, I've really considered playing either my Dark Rose Savagers or my Cypher Wars just to get some, some uh, you know, some oldies in, you know. Do you guys have any preferences? What, what do you think? Knowing that your Cypher Lords have like a hundred games under their belt. (laughs) (laughs) I love the Dark Oath. I think seeing them on the table will always be awesome. Uh, There's so much cool stuff that that Warband can do. Just, there's no, there's nothing that acts like Dark Oath in the game. So I I vote all all 17 votes into Dark Oath. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Eric, you got any particular thoughts? Man, no, I mean, Cypher Lords would be cool, but I, if you were out Cypher Lords, I'd want to get the Untamed Beast back out. <laughs> right, right. Because there's an old rivalry there. So maybe you hold off on Cypher Lords until, like we do in, a, you know, uh, an all uh, war, uh, Warcry-specific warband night or something like that. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, no, I was thinking of the Dark Oath. At least they're all painted, too, which would be kind of good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Change of it, pace for you. Oh, <laughs> got him. It's fair. It's fair. Oh. <laughs> I do have two full painted warbands, so I have to. I, I do have to make a call out. Mine, mine are not also painted, and I put the survey up, and in one of the survey places, somebody I did it with vote with emojis, and they voted for painted, and uh, they oh, voted yeah. paintbrush up, and I was like, oh, right in well, the chest. <laughs> well, yeah. you know. You know, one of the goals at the end of the eight-week league is to submit a warband for a painting con- competition, mm-hmm. essentially. So, you know, mm-hmm. you got eight weeks, you know, make it yeah. happen. Right? Eight weeks. <laughs> Be ready in time for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Santa Claus, please bring me extra, an extra painted minis this I year. I need more paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I mean, it. What's so nice, and what I love about Warcry is it is such a small warband count. Yes. Um, and I, I mean, I've been a little bit lucky that I have started with like models that are already painted. So I'm I'm working a lot with, you know, the you're being generous, bro- Eric. The broader like, painted models you converted like in the same. Well, weekend. so I mean, that's the <laughs> other thing. Though. But here's the thing: is I'm like, you know what? I want to get those horses. And so I buy three models, I build three models, I paint three models, and a week later, I have got painted models on the table. Um, yes. And if, in the case of the Kernoff, like, I mean, I just, it, I can hyper-focus, I can just focus, you know, I can just drill in on one to three models, get them painted, and it's it's quick. So instead of having, like, you're, I mean, you're starting with 10 models for that, for one of your warbands, and you've got, um, you know, six that are need to get converted yet. Like you've still got a lot of a lot to go, and that can be kind of daunting to start with all of them. So, I you know I'm already started like halfway painted. Like the 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 KO that I'm going to be playing are all painted already because I already had those models, and I sure. I had to convert a couple of them with new uh, with new rifles or whatever. But but yeah, I mean, so I'm kind of starting with a leg up already. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, but I do encourage paint if you can. Yeah, hey, yeah. Josh, Josh, come on. Some paint. <laughs> all right well that sounds like uh this uh i wonder if there's it just came to mind well we can talk about it as we get to like campaigns and and or to uh you know our league stuff maybe in a couple weeks after we've run this and with with our our 
a new because because in version one of Warcry we had some league rules, some some homebrew stuff, and we'll probably introduce some things. We're already talking about that, uh, which we'll get to maybe some here mm-hmm. um, uh, with the listener questions. But uh, maybe we'll have some some different incentives if you start a new warbrand from from scratch as opposed to you know continuing something that already has you know some some uh, artifacts under its belt sort of thing all right visions of madness Fint, take it away here we go uh the sundered fate box man the the hype train when that was out of the blue here it is on warcom i was uh screaming in the in the basement at my work i was so excited i was like look at all these we got chameleon skinks we've got the the zeech warband we've got you know stone curses and and i was uh, i had somebody point that out to me that that stone curse is the same one that took the chaos dwarves which is the second chaos dwarves reference in this edition right with hmm. the horns of hashut and now you have yeah. the stone curse it's just it's so cool i i think it's just neat like there's going to be more story it's going to be more more of everything else and uh to see it so soon right it's it's if it's teased now you know who knows how fast they'll pump it out maybe like the week after we air this it'll be out and that that's so awesome (laughs) just to see new stuff come out for warcry with such a regularity um and Mm. and see you know discords and youtubes and more and more people out there doing what we're doing here it just means that the the community is that healthy that both gw and the community themselves are growing um and growing into it i just i think it's fantastic yeah Yeah. well i think too like when when warcry first came out we saw a huge response to it locally and you know i i think there's been even since in the last couple years as people haven't been playing it on the table as much um there's been more content creators around it too and i think that now that we're coming out of quarantine we're coming you know out of covid trying to get you know, league started more having all this content coming out from GW is the sort of injection of yep. excitement and energy and new stuff that we need yes. to kind of to jumpstart Warcry again. So yeah. I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. And I, I think this box too, they just laid it out of the park. I mean, both war bands are awesome. You know, I love the yeah, chameleon skinks. Really cool. They've got I was not expecting the them to be all chameleon skinks yeah yeah uh, well and, and they've got a few like a little baby pteranodons or whatever which i you know yeah. i was hoping they'd have like some beast sort of models to help them you know and then they had them in there and then, they're, you they're know, so cute chaos they're so band. cute you know? yeah i was thinking i think i would have if i had to speculate i was thinking maybe like a couple chameleon skinks a couple of those like you know the razor dance what are, what are the two little um frontline guys uh like Oh, the one salamanders! Fires, the salamanders, mm-hmm. like a couple of those in there, and maybe you know a a, a leader that's a not a croxagor, but one of the the guards, mm-hmm. you know, temple guard or something like that. So I would right. have expected like a mix, sort of like the um, underworld's uh, warband and the uh, blood bowl team, but to go like all skinks is crazy, like left field for me. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was neat because based on the lore, they're saying that a lot of the source. Um, pools or, or are not functioning correctly from the crash. Yeah. So so we ended up with more skinks in general. So, But, you know, it looks like they got a mix of ranged and melee and, yeah. and of course, the flyers. So I'm uh, really interested to see how that plays out. 
we have a Seraphon player in our league. And so it's cool that this wouldn't be just a competing with that Seraphon. Yes. Um, you know, the, using all of the models from the current range, yeah. this is something unique. And he plays mainly Saurus, you know, Saurus Riders and, and Mixosaurus too. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's really neat. I think the uh, I'm excited for the story that goes with it, right? Sundered fate, like as these warbands fight over uh, the resources, it, it just it's gonna be good, and I I can't can't be more excited. It's just so cool. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what new rules they add to, uh, you know, at least more, you know, what new campaign arcs they'll add to this particular yeah. aspect. And if they add any new additional rules to the, you know, how the Gnarlwood works, how the board is set up or not, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Super, super looking forward to it. Can't wait till it comes out. Yeah. Some of the other stuff that's come out, White Dwarf 480, Into the Gnarlwood. Uh, I thought that was just a really cool article that kind of walked you through as if you were a new player and you weren't sure, or if you're one of our listeners who's on the fence and you've made it this far into the podcast and haven't been convinced, and you just want to see what we're talking about in the most abridged version, it's just cool to check out. Uh, it gives you some background on the setting. It's it's a good article to just kind of give a good overview of what, what Warcry is and what's changed now. Yeah. Yeah, and they even go through how they decided to do the balancing, you know, from 1.0 to 2.0 and you know, what they took into consideration or not. Uh, yeah, it's just very informative overall. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we get to White Dwarf 481, and uh, that, that had a huge Warcry part in it. If if you're looking for inspiration on some really cool painting, both the terrain and how to do some cool boards and uh, some of the pieces that were used, as well as going through and seeing the different ways people have kind of personalized their own uh, Warcry teams. It's it's really just a good a good hobby section, right? It is the yeah. hobby feature. Very and nice. some of the conversions where they talk about, you know, it for you two, you guys do a, both a lot more converting than I do, and it's cool because in this little hobby article, you see these incredible conversions that, you know, I, I swear I've seen Josh build almost one of these, and Eric, I've seen your conversions. They're they're stellar as well. But you've got. You know the the base war bands out of out of the box, like just straight out of the box, that are painted incredibly well in alternative color schemes. The furies look really really creepy because they're kind of like a a skin tone mixed with you know the the black demonic chitin. Gross. Yeah, it's they're really neat, and you just get some some cool kit bashes in here. I'm not even the big. There's a a pterodon that's on the ground. Uh, with a skink star priest on the back, and it just looks so good. So it's definitely worth a look through at your local game store if you don't pick it yeah, up. Yeah, fifteen different warbands in it. I was just calculating yeah. it. Yeah, that's it, amazing. It's super cool. And then, of course, Josh, you've been playing them a little bit. Would you? Uh, would you want to talk about the Legionnaires of the Dark Creed? Yes. Yeah. So what? What's even more juicy about this is that they've included three different quests for the chaos legionnaires so if you're unfamiliar in the um in the narrative play section which we'll talk about each grand alliance has three different quests one that's kind of based around artifacts one around heroic traits and one around a unique encampment that you can have and so this white dwarf introduces each of those particular quests for chaos legionnaires specifically and, and of course, as you imagine, there's a lot of lore that's really juicy. Um, if you're interested in Bellicor and what the Chaos Legionnaires are doing, what the Centurion Martian, Martians are doing, 
lots of really neat information in there. They talk about that Bellacor has discovered that the Talaxis holds this Tapox diadon, which is a artifact related with the air, and he thinks that it could perhaps somehow interfere with his cursed skies. So the, the Chaos Legionnaires are there to find this artifact and destroy it. The Centurion Marshals are there to help them. It talks a lot about uh, you know how the Chaos Legionnaires get recruits, you know from Archeon's armies, you know what they're doing there, and uh, talks about uh, Bellicor's right hand person, you know, but they don't specify who that is. So it's kind of interesting, and you know, obviously they're going to leave that for future use. But a lot of re- really unique quests, and, and one of the things I really like, um, you know, for example, the quest about getting an artifact. For example, it's not just like the normal generic chaos quest where you have to kill models and you get you get points for that way it's you know seizing initiative either winning initiative or seizing initiative is how you gain points to achieve that quest so i think that's great because you know they kind of tailor these particular quests to bellicor you know and even even the um heroic traits is around how converts how many converts have you gotten to achieve this quest. And it's earning glory, a certain amount of glory or, or glory per game. You know, so it's, it's all different shifts and different focuses than what you have in the normal chaos quest lines, which I thought was a lot of fun, a lot of good flavor because Bellicor is more hiding the shadows, manipulating, seizing initiative, manipulating people's perceptions of him. And so I thought those quests and, and what you needed to do to track and complete those quests was spot on. It was beautiful. They also have a lot of very flavorful heroic traits and abilities. And of course, the unique territory you get is the Marshal's War Camp, where you get a Centurion Marshal for free. Obviously, you got to pay for it out of the uh, you know, your normal glory points, but you don't have to uh, otherwise have to buy it as an ally. So that, that, that was pretty cool. And I thought that a lot of really nice unique flavor added, you know, just in the lore section of this particular uh, white dwarf. And, um, you know, I don't think there are a lot of factions that have the three designated quests specifically for them. So that was really interesting to see. And on top of that, they did add a background section. So, you know, some names, um, you know, some origin and leader background sections. So you can kind of use that to build some of the lore around your warpan. Yeah. Uh, it made me, you know, seeing that that was available made me go back um, to the Heart of Gur, the the Rotten Ruin book, uh, to look at the individual quests for the Horns of Husha and the Rotmire Creed, and it's it's really cool. And I'm I'm expecting um, that the Tome of Champion will have maybe some more individual quests for you know we've got the Grand, you know, we'll talk about those, but have individual quests for different war. Maybe it'll be just for the ones that are coming out, but uh, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, definitely. Anything else for the visions of madness, anything we're looking forward to or any speculations? They did show, you know, in the, in the thundered fate, they did show three new terrain pieces. Essentially they're kind of reusing some of the gnarl oaks, but they've added some, like they're more enclosed sort of structures. And one of them is kind of brand new. So they do reuse the scatter terrain, but I think it's nice that they've got three new different types of tree structures. So we'll have some more platforms. We'll have some new tree structures. And then, of course, some additional scatter terrain. So um, yeah. I'm kind of curious to see what sort of twists and uh, deployment they kind of introduce with all of that. Yeah. 
I uh, I really like the one that kind of looks like a house. I was like, if yeah. I get a couple of these, because I think I'm going <laughs> to end up with a couple of them, getting them and and shifting the, like putting two of those together for like a diorama would be really cool because you can easily put like mm. that with like a, a a rope bridge down to it and make like a little treehouse looking thing where some of your fighters are staying. And then you have your leader on top of the uh, the horns and the the skull and just I, I think you can really do some cool dioramas for this. And it doesn't some hammocks, yeah. and a cooking pot. <laughs> I think right. so. Make a camping scene out of it. I'm down for that. Yeah, and, and they have a new one too, which is like there's like a little uh, opening inside the tree with you know like a bone structure. So they're kind of like camped out inside the tree for protection. Um, I thought that that's was pretty what, cool. That's, that's the one he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't sure there's, there's like one with a roof in the sides you know so yeah i mean one. yeah i mean picking a roof would make sense <laughs> that we'll move on to the circle of paint challenge and as our listeners may know this season we are taking on the challenge to paint a monster and so at this point in time we will check in to see what the progress is vint why don't we start with you he's built and primed ready to go Oh yeah! Oh so. yeah! I think the uh, the goal. I've been looking at a bunch of different ways to paint him, and then I saw that he has a magic card out in the magic Warhammer stuff, and I really liked how he was done up there. So I might do that. But depending, um, I have paint schemes planned for the three that are in the lead right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I will paint him to match whatever warband gets picked. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Are you have you painted a mutilith, mutilith vortex beast before or a big monster before? Uh, no, it's actually this mutilith is has kind of made some rounds. Uh, I I got it from somebody who is uh, dropping out of the hobby for Zeech and ended up back in the hobby less than a month later in a different war, uh, different army. But he wanted me to keep the mutilith because I thought it was cool. At some point, I, I met one of my buddies in his. Uh, his spouse came and saw the the mutilith and was like, "Oh, I really want to paint that." I didn't have any lists I was running it in, so I let her borrow it. And then her paint backlog filled up with other things, so she gave it back, and now it's mine <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> and uh, so, so it will be painted now. The changer phrase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Lord of Change has brought the, the great mutilith vortex beast back to me. Uh, to to get itself painted yet again. So, uh, this time, this time it's for real, for real. <laughs> you are mine. You are mine. Uh, I mean that that's model's been around for a long time, but it's a fantastic sculpt still. Yes, it's so yeah, good. Yeah, it's 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 fun. Uh, it definitely fills more space in transit than two war cry teams and i think that's sure. also something of note. <laughs> right yeah he's so big <laughs> so big so big all his tentacles <laughs> yeah he's got he's got the tentacles couldn't imagine a more beautiful thing <laughs> got a nice pull attack too right oh yeah, yeah. he's good. he's got the yoink <laughs> <laughs> Is All it better right. than All better right, than Eric. Dragon Maw or different? Uh, it's different. It's so you move them an amount of inches uh, towards you, ah, equal to the value of the ability, I believe, as a double. Okay. So if nice. somebody's up on top of something, you can just yoink them off if you can reach, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a six-inch reach. So you almost any structure you should be able to pull somebody off of. 
And then they take fall damage because, well, you, you yanked them. Right. You yoinked them. So oh. They've been, yeah. Yoink. yeah. Wilhelm scream. <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> How about you, Josh? Did you find uh, the, the object of your desire? Uh, you know, I still have not been able to find my Camaro. I don't, uh, you know, I've got a basement and it's down there somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have not found it. But fortunately, uh, Dan from Salty Sea put out his, his uh, you know, tier list of monsters for Warcry. Fortunately, I do have a, a Beast of Chaos box set, which I could use either for the Saigor or the Gorgon. So I may go with the Saigor um, with the plan that if the Jade Obelisk are decent, you know, I love the models, but if they're decent, then I can I can do the Saigor monster and I'll just paint up the stone as Jade so it looks like nice. it's tossing around Jade. I thought that would be pretty cool. Which you've gotten a little bit of jade going on in your Norwood I stuff, do. right? Exactly. So I've got the I got the color scheme down. I can make that work. Yep. Yep. Very cool. And what do you like about the the Cygor? You know, so the, the model itself, I always I you know I, I played against it in AOS a few times, and I thought it was fun that it had a uh, an anti magic user focus. It mm-hmm. can toss these huge boulders. You know, so I always kind of preferred it over the Gorgon, but uh, in, in previous versions of Warcry, I think most people prefer, preferred the Gorgon over the Psygor. But mm-hmm. it sounds like um, in the current iteration, he still has a pretty good ranged attack as an ability with the stone. Since I typically play Chaos Warbands that don't have any range, having that particular aspect might be pretty useful. So I thought that might yeah, be a yeah, fun yeah. way to go. I was, I was originally thinking of trying to get a griffin and painting the whole thing up as a jade statue or something like that treating it as a chimera but this might be a a, a little easier way to go yeah no that's really cool awesome and are you feeling good about it uh you haven't assembled it yet correct i have not yet no no i've got the box out and ready but i have not assembled it yet well i might give vint a run for his money with tentacles we'll see um (laughs) i of course, I can't just buy something. Uh, I have to fit it to one of my arms. <laughs> uh, I can't make it simple. So, and there's different models that I like or would love to do better, you know. And if I was playing Death, you know, I've got a, a I would love to do another Terror Geist or Zombie Dragon or something. Mm-hmm. I've got like three Griffins, uh, but Griffins are also not an option uh, with any of the Warbands, or you know, I can't count them as much. Uh, right. It's flying, etc. So, uh, I am going to go with the um, Order Charybdis. I have to make it fit with my cog fort, so it will be a cog ribdis. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to be building um, a mechanical cephalopod. Nice. Uh, and <laughs> I was trying to figure out if it, it may le- end up leaning more towards like crab, but it might go more towards cephalopod. It'll really depend on, on what, what other be- bits I can source, but right. there's a, uh, 40k chaos Knight. I don't know. I can't remember what's called annihilator or something like that. That has a whole tentacle arm. Abomination. Uh, like three, abomination. There we go. Has three tentacles. So I bought two of those bits. Uh, and so it will have six tentacles like the Charybdis has six heads, but I've got to make sure that this guy feels bulky enough and, and, and intimidating enough uh, to fit the the look and feel. So, yeah. So I've got a few more things to figure out in terms of like how it's going to look. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
if I, I don't know if I need to order any more bits yet, we're going to work with what I got and see where it goes. That's but awesome. It will, it will have my, uh, the signature paint scheme for this army. It will be, uh, and I even figured out that again, we're in a little bit of an arms race, right? We're like uh, Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark going back to the <laughs> to the workshop and building the next Mark, whatever of his war suits. Right. So they've gone back. Like if we've we've uh, run into some some nasty like that Marshall, you know that warrants going back to the drawing board. Um, <laughs> but I think I think you know the battle fighting the monster will have to be something like they've built it. They have to go do a test run and it goes out of whack. And so we've got to be able to like uh, subdue it before it destroys itself mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in order to like get it, get it under control and add it to our war band. Like so, it. yeah. I, I mean, another option would be that the people building it have not been paid adequately. If there's like, if you're a little bit short glory <laughs> and you can't instant put it in your army. And so one of the people working on it was like, you know what? How many days have I worked? No time off. I'll show just, you guys. Just- Disgruntled employee, disgruntled uh, cogsmith, disgruntled cogsmith. I resemble that. (laughs) There we go. Uh, That's funny. That's funny. All right, stay tuned, uh, listener, to see what the story actually is uh, once we get there. That was a fantastic idea. That's Um, awesome. But yeah, so Pavin apologized for not being able to make it to this episode. I'm sure he's got. uh, I don't know. I can't remember if he's got any ideas or if we've talked to him about what his ideas are at the moment, or even if he'll be able to participate, I suppose. Yeah. Um, not sure. But, uh, we'll, we'll let you guys know as, as we learn more, maybe on the next episode. So, so we've all got monsters picked out. Uh, Vint is currently in the lead cause it's built and primed. Yeah. Uh, and then Ooh. I'm probably, I'm probably second cause I've got some things built on it. So then Josh, you are dead last I have of those. Get. We know are participating. I have to catch. He's got the kit. And all the pieces. Like you don't probably exactly. don't have any bits you have to order. So right. you, exactly. you have a chance of getting to second place. Um, right. Yeah, that's that's exciting. I don't know how long I'll stay in the lead. Once you guys get yours built, it'll be <laughs> you guys will have it built and painted in about like two days, and I'll be like, Oh, oh mine's no. got a base oh, coat no. on it though. Oh no. There's no points for for finishing first, obviously. Right, uh, right. Given, Which has uh, been proven in many of the yeah. circle paint challenges. Because <laughs> <laughs> Josh keeps coming in late and, and, and the victory. He waits to see what you guys have done, and then he's like, it's "Oh, okay, there. this is how I've got to dial it up." It's fine. Absolutely, absolutely. Just enough. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Cool, cool. All right. Well, we're on. We're on our way, and so all that is left uh, is to get right into the main topic of our show tonight. Uh, the victory condition is this. We're going to be talking about our impressions of the new Heart of Gur narrative and campaign system and how it stacks up to the previous edition. So uh, Gur.0 versus 1.0, the narrative. And we you know, already mentioned that previously it was Trial of Champions was sort of an, an optional Whereas narrative in, in this, it's still optional, but if you're going to play narrative, they've baked in uh, all of all of the Trial of Champions stuff. Definitely. So again, thank you to Games Workshop for sending us a review copy so we could uh, get into it faster. And uh, thank you to our um, league, uh, everybody who's been coming out uh, and playing games because it's just, we've gotten a ton of reps uh, on on 
on the narrative system and the aftermath and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, awesome. looking forward to sharing what we've got here. So uh, let's start with where you start in the narrative, and that is with the roster. Josh, what are the stipulations for just like starting off narrative? What do you have to do? Yeah, so very similar to the previous edition, uh, you you have to have um, you know roughly fifteen models or, or you know fifteen model limit on the board. You know, in this particular case, in the previous edition, you could have up to twenty models on your roster, and then you could have up to fifteen models on the board. And uh, in, in GER point you can have at least three models, up to fifteen models in your warband roster. Um, the the unique additions to that is that you you only start with one leader, which is the same as before, but your leader starts with one renown and one heroic trait automatically, which is uh which is pretty nice because the heroic traits can be quite useful, and the renown of course can be used in narrative play as a is in place of a reaction for free, super nice. Mm-hmm. And the total points cost of of your roster is what you can field on the t- on the table. One correct, yeah, so, still a thousand points. Yep. So you're putting your like what I can put on the table or what I'm going to put on the table. That's what you start with. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's it's nice that you get that initial heroic trait. That's really cool. It's cool that you're kind of limited to like your opening. Like here's my my first go. What has been uh, for you guys in terms of like creating this roster now that you've you know Josh, you've done in a couple warbands you know, going to be doing a third, uh, Vince, you've had a couple, I'm embarking on my second one. What are some ideas that you have going into what you put into your roster? What are you looking for, for that opening group of fighters? Um, you know, I, I found in 1.0 that the war band I took for the Wendigo was, was supposed to be fairly well. Um, I don't know what's the right word for it. It was, it was supposed to be fairly competitive, but not overwhelming. So, but at six models in, in any sort of war cry scenario is kind of on the low end. I think most people kind of shoot for seven to eight models, uh, depending on the scenarios. And um, I, I find that that the Wendigo Warband in particular did okay in certain you know missions, as you might expect, but but less so in others, uh, especially like the ritual or other things where you had to kind of capture particular areas and defend them effectively. Um, where the Chaos Legionnaires with eight models, I was able to kind of address most of the things. So I, I think in, in terms of warband creation, shooting for that seven to eight models is still a really good idea. You know, and after that, I think the question really becomes in terms of your narrative, do you see yourself adding more heroes, more allies, more thralls, or do you want to go bigger in points, or do you want more artifacts? And I, I think that's really the hard part, because there's a lot of good choices. For myself, yeah. I kind of went with an artifact first, then I tried to go for a territory, and then I went for a heroic trait, and, and that kind of does pretty well. Well, let's talk about that in our next section when we get to quests. I more want to just think about that opening. I guess my question was more about like, uh, so one of the things I think about is uh, of the things that I want to play eventually, uh, what has <laughs> what things are the best, most efficient to buy with glory? Sure, sure. So, like, uh, for for my Cities of Sigmar, I've got my, my smallest model is like 65 points. I would hate to play to pay two glory to, to get a 65-point model sure. versus uh, paying, uh, you know, four glory for a 180-point model um, or something like that, right, where you're close to that efficiency. So there's a little bit for me. I want to get my oddly pointed stuff 
uh, in the warband first that I know that I might use sometimes or want to swap out. And so that's one of the weird things I think of. But to your point, like you said, is like your your Wendigo is like, I want a warband that's, you know, it played good in a couple of games, but not in the other. And I think, I think you want to try and, you know, between objectives, uh, treasure, and uh, fighting or you know, like killing, you want to pick two out of the three, I think, to try and fit two. Mm-hmm. I right. think trying to go all three can be tough. Um, because fighty, like really killy stuff tends to be more expensive. But I mean, those are some of my thoughts is kind of you're, you're sort of getting some models into your band. You're going to be able to add some later. So kind of efficiencies of what points uh, you're buying in at, but in the long run, it probably doesn't matter. that. Yeah. Much. I think, I think Vint had a, a little bit of a ideas in that particular direction with his mortals of Zinch. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I went through, uh, I generally look at the, the fighters and the models, right? The like, do I like the model? Will I be okay painting a lot of it? Um, when I first got into wargaming in general, one of the best pieces of advice was that, like, if you're going to get an army, find the model you're probably going to end up painting the most. Do you like it? Because you will paint a lot of it. Yeah. And in Warcry, that's less the case, right? I'm like we said, I'm not painting six boxes of unmade for this weekend. <laughs> um, but like in when you're using a non-base Warcry group where you might have, you know, a ton of Zangors laying around. Um, are you okay making all of them look different? And then when you put them in your Age of Sigmar, I mean, maybe you'll have those, like, fun fun moments. Um, so the models are always still one of the first things I look at. Will I have fun painting this? Will the hobby be enjoyable? And the hobby's always enjoyable, but, you know, it's the difference of getting home being like, yes, I get to paint Zangors today, versus, like, yeah, I'm going to paint some Zangors today. Right? Like, it's, right, right. It's, you want to make sure it's good. Uh, the first, the other thing is going through and figuring out, uh, with ever, with whatever metrics you end up using or with whatever reasoning you use to look into things like this, what model works the best. And it might be what model works the best for you in that game or for your play style because the general ship should be taken into account for you. For me, I, I don't need the fastest warband. I need a warband that all moves together. So I try and find models that have a similar move characteristic. Mm. Um, I've played Spire Tyrants a good chunk. I've played some Iron Golems when they first came out. And one of the first things that left my list or didn't make it to the list at all, preferably, were the dwarves. And it's not that I don't like dwarves because dwarves are awesome. It's that they they move much slower than everything else. And what happens is when I need to get a couple models into something, those dwarves are great at fighting in a group but they can't get there in time. And then that movement and the uh, activation um, issues would, would end up being kind of a, a sad downfall for them. So I generally look at movement and how they move as well as uh, I have a few statistics I look at too that help me kind of figure out uh, what, what I can expect from them. Um, and knowing what your models can and can't do and knowing what weights they can and can't lift uh, is important. Um, that's where you're going to win your games, right? If I tell little Stevie from across the street, who's all of uh, four years old and 50 pounds or what have you, he, and he needs to carry the uh, the big heavy thing up the stairs, he's not going to be able to do it. But if I ask him to carry a bunch of uh, his whole box of crayons into the room, he'll be able to do that. So it's knowing what you you need your, your models to do and finding a warband that has the stuff you need it to do um, is, is a way to do it, right? 
what is my answer for Stormcast? What is my answer for anything Josh is going to put on the table that's going to be wacky and I'm not going to know what to do with it the whole game? Uh, <laughs> how am I going to have a thing that Eric can kill and throw around before I uh, before I I get outmaneuvered? You know, <laughs> how can I catch how can I catch Eric's warband? Do I have enough stuff to trap it? Um, and the answer is not really. But if I kill it fast enough, there's less things to try. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so finding the the how do I do the thing? You know, what what is my answer for some of this stuff? And whatever metric you're going to use, right? I know that there's a myriad of of podcasters out there that talk about the different metrics. Man, if it's just I like two four fighters or I like one four fighters, you know, grab some of those. I need my models to have 15 wounds because my buddy plays a a monster that does 510 and I'm hoping he just doesn't hit me with a crit and a hit, you know, but if he hits me with anything less than that, I'm going to be alive. So it's that kind of stuff, right? You know, play, play to your friends and your friend group. Um, it'll make the games more engaging if you're both trying to beat each other. And, um, you know, Eric, and we are, yeah, we are, we are, we are 100%. <laughs> well, we sound so friendly on this podcast, but in reality, Josh and I beat each other up in the parking lot ever after everything. I still feel bad for beating people. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to work on that. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. Shame. I'm stuck in uh, in new player uh, first game mode. Uh, I was was uh, uh, not scolding, but I was uh, giving. Uh, Mike, if you're out there listening, I'm sorry for giving you crap, uh, but <laughs> we'll get a new player in and he'll play them. And Mike, get, Mike thinks through everything and he's uh, constantly like, he's going to win the game. And I'm like, you gotta let, you gotta kind of go softer on you guys. So I, I'm stuck in this mode. And so I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get over that and I'm going to murder everybody's uh, <laughs> war bands and uh, then nobody will want to play with me. It's more you don't celebrate your victory against certain people as much, yeah, sure. you know. But you know, Vin and I have had this rivalry going on for a long time. <laughs> you know? so it's okay to celebrate, you know. Mac- that's like Paven. Paven is, you know, itching to beat the crap out of me whenever he gets a chance because this has been this, you know, rivalry kind of going back and forth. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't met Josh in real life, he is an angel. But on the Warcry table, full demon horns, man. It is. It is a. <laughs> My my cumulative record into Josh, I think, is one in fifteen, <laughs> and that's probably shorting a few games. But no, it's it's fun. It's uh, it's good. And when you're building your roster, build it for fun, right? You can yeah. you can make it yeah. as nasty as you want it to be. But I've definitely played lists where I just was like, okay, I need six models that I'm gonna just grab because I don't want to fit it all into my my case, and I'm traveling. Here are my random six chaos warriors. Here are my, here's my Raptorix plus whatever. And I know you can't start with your mm-hmm. Raptorix, but you, that you get the idea. Here's my random stuff that I just threw in my bag that fits a thousand points. Boom, done, send it. You know, it's uh, and and I've had fun and I've won and lost games with it, and it's it's always a good time. I can't tell you how many scaving games I played where I was just like, uh, okay, clan rats, what do we got? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Chaos Legionnaires I play is, you know, eight models straight from the box. You know, I've got one Mutador, I've got three of the Grunts, three of the Horn Helms, you know, and the Leader, you know. So it's wide range, good variability, but not min-maxed. Yep. Still have a blast with it. It's pretty well-balanced overall. Yeah. It's a great time. I think, I think especially when if you're starting off, put some variety in it. 
Like if you're yeah. uh, if the warband or or group that you want to play with has a little bit of this, a little bit of that, try it out. Put it all on your roster and um, see what you like when it's on the table. I think that's a good point, Eric. I think the the other thing I've normally suggested to new people is, hey, what abilities do you have? Look at those and figure yeah, out which yeah. models have those rune marks, because you you if you're just learning and just trying out the warband to see how it feels and how it fits. If you don't have any of the rune marks, you're going to be like, cool, I have the generics, which are great. The universal abilities are fantastic, but there's so much like fluff and panache and, and skill to using those abilities now that change the way the game works so efficiently. Yep. <laughs> and it, it changes fighters from good to amazing real fast. Yep. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing that kind of Eric kind of uh, pointed out to me earlier is that there's not really a limit on your warband roster anymore. So, I mean, you can use Glory to buy additional models and try that stuff out. And if you're like, eh, I don't really like it. Okay, well, it's still on your roster. Use it if you want later. It, use it. Don't. You have to. You know, well, so. to be uh, sorry if I was unclear on that. So, you do have a, a limit of 20 models on your roster. Like, what I think there's not a limit on is necessarily what you field. So, you have, yes. you have to start with no more than 15 uh, that fits within 1,000 points. But if for some reason you could get more than 15 on the field at a, at a time for, you know, a thousand points or, or when you get encampments and can do more, it doesn't look like there's a limit to how many you can field. It's unlikely that you're going to field 20. Um, right. But right. Although, the, you know, the new Chameleon Skink Warband starts at 13, right? Yeah. <laughs> Seems like they'd be easy to get up a little bit higher than that. Right. We'll have to see how it goes. All right. Uh, well, then with that, I think starting is the fun part too. Like building that list, what are you going to start with, and you know what do you want to play? Let's talk about the quests. Previously on uh, uh, Warcry 1.0, uh, we had our our quests. Man, and my language is terrible. We're a couple years out, and I am terrible with with remembering what things were called. Um, but we had you know the quest consisted of playing uh, consecutive games, having uh, d- uh, convergences trying to win those convergences and getting to your final convergence here. We have kind of short little, they almost feel more like, yeah, like goal oriented side quests. Um, like I need to, uh, well, let's talk about them. We've got uh, a few universal quests that anybody, any warband uh, can, can embark on. And some of, some of the quests that you want to like add a ally or add a monster to your best. Those are found in the, the universal quests. And then there are some Grand Alliance quests. And then like we talked about, there are a few Warband specific uh, quests that you find in the different, you know, the, the Rotten Ruin supplement and now the White Dwarf. So we're going to see more of those too. Vint, do you want to walk us through the universal quests and tell us a little bit about each of them? Yeah. So Ascension to Glory, your hero's going out to show how tough he is and he's going to get some new universal heroic traits. You've got Secure a Powerful Ally. Uh, add one ally thrawler fighter with a hero remark. This quest was a lot easier than I thought, and I definitely wasn't as prepared for it to go as smoothly as I thought it would either. <laughs> so th- it was it was a lot of fun to do that one. I that was the one I ended this last league on. I was like, let's do that one because it sounds fun. Maybe I'll throw something in, and uh, it was just uh, I had a bunch of glory because I hadn't done anything yet, and it was just so so fast and now i have another character i get to add explore the gnarlwood send three fighters to explore 
that one's really, really useful in the beginning when you're trying to find things, you know, gain, gain those uh, items, gain those other stuff. We'll get into what they find later. Fight for glory, uh, earn extra glory. You know, it's really cool to get the Mutalith Vortex Beast, but if you can't put them into your list because you don't have the glory or you can't buy them, it's going to be real sad. Right. Hunt the beast. Try to subdue a monster. It's a unique mission. Have a friend come with. Have them, uh, you're, you're, you'll be a real nice person if you do it to somebody <laughs> who doesn't have a territory already. Because as soon as they get an encampment, sorry, not a territory, they have to make that roll. And if you find their terror, their uh, their encampment, because they were nice enough to play a monster against you, you might be the problem. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We may have to tweak that. Yeah, you know, yep. I think that was that was cool, but it was it, I had some some feel bads for Josh. I was like, oh, Josh ran ran the Mutalith for my my game, and it was super fun to catch him. Uh, it feels very much like you're corralling this monster into a corner to beat him up and and take them home. Feels very Pokemon-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And right. then then afterwards, because your opponent played him, they have to make all the all the, the checks afterwards, and I thought that was yeah, the aftermath rules, which could be cool, but also not not cool in a big way, too. Yeah, so, that doesn't, right, right. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me, because you're playing not your warband. So uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. It tells you to roll on the you know uh, explore the Narwood tables and and do the normal aftermath sequences, which unfortunately means your encampment rolls. So, which again, like I agree with you, just make a lot of sense. That just might be something we have to kind of uh, house rule. Say okay, when when you do this, you can roll some extra treasure for your warband and get glory, but don't do anything else beyond this yeah. point, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, uh, somebody was talking about it last week where they had said maybe, you know, you can give the your opponent the option, right? If you want to do this, you're also making an encampment roll, but you can do all this extra treasure too. Or just say you don't do any of it and everything's good, your characters are fine, your encampment remains in the condition it was left in. Yeah, when you have a mission or, or quest that you need to succeed and you're, somebody else is helping you with it or choosing to do that uh they do have a thing of like rewarding the person in some way to, that was helping you finish your quest or playing your quest versus right. maybe right. their quest or something that they needed so there's a little bit of a built-in incentive to help other people finish their quests and so yeah yeah you know we shouldn't penalize yeah them. yeah so we'll see how that goes i like these i mean it it's nice to have a few things that are like you know what especially when my hero died. I was like, you know what? I've got a, or was slain. Uh, my, my Kurnoth hunter uh, with bow was slain after two games. I was like, you know what? I, I have this in my head that I want to go get this, the, you know, build Mark two. I just needed to go and play another game with the secure, powerful ally quest. And then it was just a matter of if I win, I pay just for the cost of the, the ally. If I lose, I have to pay a little bit more in glory, but, I'm guaranteed that I'm going to get that guy if I have the glory. Yeah. So yeah, it's nice. I have, I have to admit um, in, in the last podcast, we, we kind of shared a little bit of our initial thoughts on the new system and everything else. And I, I did, I did say, I wasn't sure how I felt about the new system just because the, the older system, while you had to play a lot more games to complete a quest, even the faded quests and, and everything else, you know, there was more of a kind of a structured story element to it, which I thought was really nice. 
Um, I have to admit that having played many games and, and achieved several different quests, that I do like the fact that you can complete a quest in anywhere from like two to four games usually. And, uh, you know, because it feels like you're making strides in your warband growth and achievements. You're getting more powerful. They're succeeding in the Gnarlwood. And you can weave it a little bit more freely into your narrative, which isn't something I appreciated right away. So, uh, uh, you know, having played through a couple of different warbands, through some uh, several different quests, I am learning that I, I do like this a bit more. And, of course, if you're anything in terms of like, uh, you know, what's, 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 what's right for, you know, kind of getting that instant gratification where like, oh, I completed a quest in three three games. Excellent. All right. Now I'm on to the next one. You know, it certainly gives you that uh, nice endorphin boosts to kind of keep playing because you've succeeded in the quest. You can pick up another quest. You keep to keep going and, and developing your war band, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And they're not, they're not all the same. So like I said, the powerful right. ally is you play one. Uh, game and whether you win or, win or lose just determines how much glory you spend on it. Exploring the Gnarlwood is you just, you know, you get to explore for potential treasure or encampments or some other things. We'll talk about that. And, you know, the the Secura or um, uh, what is the, oh, we'll get that into the next one. But Hunt the Beast, like, it, it may take you a bunch of times to fight the Chimera if you want to add a Chimera to your list uh, because they're tough. They're really uh, mean. And so that could be difficult to do. And so it may take you a bunch of times to do that. So it sort of provides some variability in what that, that number of games to earn it will be, which is pretty cool. And one of the thing too, in this new edition is that you can actually quit a quest and pick up a different one, which I think is, is kind of nice, you know, and in terms of the encampment mechanic, you, you may have to do that occasionally if you become threatened or, or, you know, your encampment is compromised, you may have to do switch to a different, you know, to the Explore the Narrowwood quest so that you can find a new encampment yep. because yours has been compromised. So I think that element is nice where, like, you feel like you're getting frustrated and can't get anywhere in this particular quest. You're like, okay, I drop it. <laughs> I'm taking another quest. I'll get more powerful. Then I'll go back and I'll try it. Absolutely. And that's a nice feature to have. I agree. So, yeah, it's it, nothing's permanent. You can say, ooh. This isn't working out so well. Let's try something else. What do I really need? And then we go to, uh, we have in the core book, we have some Grand Alliance uh, quests. Uh, this consists of uh, an artifact quest because there's an artifact, which has an, an artifact table. And this is generally two to three games. And at the end of each game, you roll and you, uh, depending on whether you were the attacker or defender, whether you won the game or not, you add some bonuses to it. And you uh, try and get to 15. Once you've accumulated 15 points uh, on this quest, you can pick out or you can roll. There's six items. You could roll randomly, but you can get an item, uh, a heroic item, which a greater artifact, which have uh, you know stronger benefits than the lesser artifacts. There's a heroic trait quest, which then one of your heroes with the, or one of your fighters with the hero rune mark could be your leader, could be an ally. Uh, you pick them and they need to go and kill one of your opponent's fighters with the hero rune marks, which could be a leader or an ally. And if they do that, then they can pick or roll for a heroic trait. And heroes can have up to three. They have to have renown to do it correct. Uh, but if their renown goes down, they don't lose their heroic trait. Is that correct? Correct. And then um, the last is a unique 
mission for each Grand Alliance. And uh, you play, you accumulate points, and then you, uh, you know, so it could take three or four, and then you find an encampment. But there's usually a mission you have to, to win, like a certain um, victory condition. And then you get an encampment that has its own Grand Alliance-specific artifacts, which is interesting. Uh, but like other encampments, you can lose it pretty quickly or have have issues with it, etc. So what do you think about these ones uh, as, as they relate to kind of specifically beefing up your warband compared to other people in other Grand Alliances? Uh, I, th- I think they're nice. I think they have a, a strange place to fill, right? Because it's hard. Warcry by its nature isn't balanced. So to try and kind of search for that balance is tough. But... It's also like, right? You want to you want to be able to feel different. Like, am I going to build a giant shrine to sacrifice mortals at, or am I going to go build a, a you know a new outpost for Sigmar? Uh, very different things, and they should feel different when you do them because it's a very narrative themed system, uh, an angled system. I feel like it it should be different, and they should feel a little different. And I think they've really captured that in this in this edition. I think they've really made the the fit and the feel very different. And I think that's something to be celebrated for sure. I definitely, I mean, the um, unique mission encampment felt more like the convergences that we used to have, but it was a really tough mission. I played it three times and I still didn't get it for my encampment. And so there's a little bit of, I need to, I need to get some artifacts and some heroic traits before I try my encampment mission. Um, And I found that, you know, that was interesting too, because I think Josh, you, you correctly went after some artifacts and heroic traits sooner. Yep. And that made your, that, that added to the viability of your warband a little faster, um, which I, mm-hmm. I, I think many people might recommend that. Did you guys have any thoughts on, you know, the universal quests versus, you know, these grand Alliance quests, where, sh- where should you start? You know, personally, I started with the, the grand Alliance quests myself, because just, I saw certain um, artifacts, that I, I wanted to go after first, and uh, some of the heroic traits are quite nice. Um, I have to admit, I have not gone back and looked at some of the general artifacts to see how they compare, but I should probably do that just to see if it might be better to go that route first. Yeah. Okay. Then, one of the newest things that we've got in this one that's that's different um, than what we had before are encampments. And uh, every warband, like we've talked about, you start you know, with thousand points of models you have these quests that you can immediately start adding on and the way again where you add them on is that when you're playing a game or you know in the aftermath phase you say okay i'm gonna go on this quest next um or before your next play your first game or second game you say i'm gonna be on this quest then one of the things that you can get is an encampment which there are lots of different encampments and and we can go through those i think we'll do you want to go through those now? I know they're a little further down on our notes, but do we want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah we can. Um, we, we all start at the outskirts yeah. of the Narwood. Overall, an encampment gives you a couple of things. It gives you a bonus that you can use in your army, which may be uh, an extra wild dice or uh, extra types of rolls in the aftermath or plus one to your roll for you know perishable items, which we'll talk about. You know, so it gives you that kind of benefit. It might change the points of the warband that you can take to, to battles anywhere from 50 more points to 250 more points or 200. Yeah. 250 more points. And it adds to your reputation, which we'll talk about after this, but uh, it gives, so an encampment gives you a lots of those different things. 
And so, Josh, do you want to take us through kind of what kind of encampments come in the core narrative box or narrative? Uh... Yeah. So this this kind of replaces the the territory mechanic that we had, where you said dominate a territory with ten glory, and and then occasionally with with the trial champions rules, you could roll to see if that territory had a specific benefit. You know, sometimes it would give you a wild die, sometimes it would give you an additional roll or re-roll on the on the lesser artifact table. So. This this kind of replaces that mechanic, and you don't automatically dominate territory and then have increasing amounts of your warband size over time. Instead, you have an encampment, and depending on where that encampment is, uh, that'll determine how many points you can play in that particular game, and you know what your reputation is. But because of the the role that you make in the aftermath phase, where you can your encampment become threatened and then compromised, you, you don't necessarily keep this encampment for a long period of time. So the, the points fluctuate a, a little bit more than they did in the previous edition. However, there's a lot of flavor in here. Um, you know, as I, as I mentioned, you, you do start with all warbands start on the outskirts of the Narwood. You can have Grand Alliance specific uh, encampments, which, which provide a lot of, uh, you know, usually additional roles as you send fighters forth. Um, and usually 1,150 points and three reputation. But as part of the normal um, searching the, the, the Narwood, you can find uh, a Strangle Grove Swamp, Forbidding Watchtowers, Dead Narwood Groves, Time Worn Ruins, Scorpid Hives, Hidden Caverns, Leyline Nexuses, Wellsprings, and of course the Shard of Talaxis. Uh, and all of these uh, you know, provide different benefits, different points values that you can expand your warband by, as well as different reputation. Typically, you have to spend a certain amount of glory to uh, claim these particular areas if you're rolling on the lesser artifact table. And that's where the, you know, sending three fighters forth can help you um, in that particular quest to, if your current encampment is threatened or compromised, you can you can take on that particular quest as an emergency quest, find a new place and spend glory to take over that particular location. So, I mean, we've each had an encampment here or there. What are some positives and negatives of this? Have you guys, has it been all good? Uh, what have you guys enjoyed about uh, the encampments? Uh, I have had horrible luck with my encampments. I've I got one. I went through all the quests, and I uh, I was playing a few missions to help people kind of unlock their quests before I did the ritual to get my uh, my Zeech sacrificial tower for all the Zangors to flock to my yard. And when I finally got it done, I literally had just gotten the encampment, and I rolled a one right at the end, and it got uh, it got discovered right away. I was like. Ooh, this feels bad because I didn't want to lose points. I was already playing a little, a little tight, so I moved on almost instantly to try and get another one, <laughs> a new, a new place. And I found, uh, luckily, found the Stranglethorn Swamp and moved there. So I went from my beautiful sacrificial place, played one more game after I got to the swamp, and was discovered well. So I haven't had to, gotten long enough to like really set down camp, but I have tried a couple different places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, uh, you know, I I tried the chaos specific encampment quest with the Wendigo, and and I tried a couple different times, and just did not have the numbers to complete that ritual quest. As the the chaos legionnaires, I did find a dead Narlok grove. And it got threatened right away and uh, fortunately has not been compromised. So, you know, I was able to keep that for a while 
and then changed to a a hidden cavern, which was threatened right away. So you know that that's one of the systems that I don't necessarily like as much is that even when you just get a particular encampment, you roll right after, and it can become threatened and or compromised in the exact same turn that you got it. I, I kind of understand lore wise why that might be, and uh, but but I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. The I think the piece that I like the most about that is specifically because of the swinginess of the warband size increase. For instance, playing my son with his ogres, he just rolled for the hidden cave, which has, um, I think it's called hidden cave, right? Hidden cavern. And which bumped him from a thousand point list to a 1250 list. So for a number of games, he's going to get to play with 25% more points on the table, which is a, is a big swing. You know, that would be, you know, five more models if he brought more Navalars. Uh, uh, as is, he's bringing an extra, you know, Hitty Ogre, which puts him at nine models. Uh, so that's, it's just really strong. And it's, but it's not a guarantee that that sits forever. Like for the rest of the campaign, uh, you're getting that. That being said, you know, there is a chance uh, when you roll in the aftermath that you get, you roll two dice and any ones, it will first take you to threatened and then uh, whatever the the next <laughs> term is. I apologize. Uh, compromised. Yeah. I don't necessarily like that in the first aftermath, you could lose it completely. Uh, so even though you, you know, had the joys of finding a uh, new encampment, it could be taken away in the first uh, aftermath, which feels, that feels bad. I don't mind that like the idea of the encampment, you find it, you have it for a little bit. I think you should at least have it for one game uh, before, you know, maybe it becomes uh, threatened or both threatened and compromised. How are your, what are your thoughts on that, Vint? Well, I mean, having almost lost mine twice, I, uh, I, I also agree. It would be nice if you like the turn you found it, if you didn't have to roll. And I think like, even if it was just one game, right, it would, it would give me less feel bads than like, Congrats, you found this really cool thing. Now, if you lose it, the next battle you have to fight with 950 points, and that's just, that's scary, right? Like, yep. it might be 40 points less, right? Because I kind of play, my first roster is going to be a little less, so that way when I get that, you know, I was planning in 50s because that's how it used to work. After a couple games, you have enough glory to go, like, a few hundred points higher if you need to buy stuff um, or buy models and put them in. So it was just kind of like, Oh man, you know, now I'm sure I get 1150 this game, but next game I'm in trouble. Like I, I need to get off of this super cool ruinous powers ritual site that I quested for a long time to get right away. And it just, it just, I, I think. I would say that the other side for the ones that, um, you know, where you're questing for it as opposed to, so if you roll on the gnarlwood exploration table you can stumble upon one right mm -hmm. uh and you know it's you know i think it's uh if you're roll above 50 or something like that uh so if you roll above 50 or whatever then you're going to find some encampment that you can you know uh take with the quest where um you have to play a number of games and, and accumulate a points score and then you have to play a certain victory condition uh game setup to and win that then you get that encampment you could lose that right away 
there is one artifact there that if you roll like a 50 something 50 54 55 56 you can take something from threatened back to uh secure so there mm-hmm. is one ability like one thing you can roll in there to do that but again you need a chance to you know get that uh so yeah i mean i think it feels a little worse than on the ones that you've just spent a bunch of time questing for and then if you were to roll double ones and you lost it that feels a little anticlimactic and a little bad yeah all right then uh so those are uh, the encampments there's a lot to choose from some are obvious uh good ones some are you know it's better than nothing and some are like maybe i'll save my glory for a different one so it all depends <laughs> right right <laughs> uh but there's also if you find it and you can't afford it there's usually a little bonus uh you get another yes. search in the uh, lesser artifacts or an extra wild dice um in your next game that sort of thing so there's some fun with it what's that called the second place prize or con- consolation consolation prize so there's some cons so they do a good job of those consolation prizes of oh i found one but i can't buy it uh so yeah i got something fun though all right so that's encampments anything else you guys want to talk about on encampments probably some things that we might home rule home homebrew there but overall it's a i think it's fun to have more and and diverse kind of benefits from these different encampments yeah and that it changes it's not not, not guaranteed to have a certain points um for your warband every time i think that's kind of an interesting change from the previous edition yep yep all right then uh let's move on to reputation vint you want to talk us through uh, reputation yeah reputation is pretty straightforward uh, everybody starts at two because you have a leader that's one and he's got a trait there's two. Uh, <laughs> add one for greater art, uh, greater artifacts, monsters, heroic traits, heroes, and encampments. And some of your encampments will give you more than one reputation, but it's kind of uh, similar to like power level in in Warhammer Forty Thousand, in that it's just a, a good way to say like, hey, my warband's kind of jacked up. Like we've got fancy relics, you know, we've got extra monsters, or we've got extra things we've added. So we are just a little bit more reputable than you. But the way it balances out is really nice because to get into campaigns, uh, the campaigns part of it, if you're an underdog in reputation, you get an additional wild uh, wild dice in the first battle round. Which which I keep forgetting to, to think about reputation with my opponent <laughs> right away. Yep, yep. And here's something else. If you go for uh, an ally... And you get heroic traits for your ally. Uh, I'm finding that my reputation is often higher than my opponents as a, faster as I add allies. Just just to caveat that, there are certain allies like the Spheranx and the Mimirdon who don't have the leadership ability, so mm-hmm. they're not heroes, yep. so they cannot gain heroic traits. So it's only when you take an ally that's a hero where you have that problem. Yep. yep. So just just to note that your reputation goes up pretty quick with that. Right, right. Uh, and similarly with thralls, too, because thralls don't jack up your reputation either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good points. Looking at you, uh, Gloomspike gets players who are enjoying <laughs> those trolls over there. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the, the kind of the buffer is, you know, if your opponent has one to four more reputation than you, you get one extra wild die and one extra glory. If it's five to ten, you know five to nine, then you get two. If it's ten or more, you get three. 
And, you know, I think there's still a lot of debate in terms of it's nice that 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 mechanic is there to kind of try and help balance things. I think it's still unclear whether that actually helps balance things. Mm. Yep. I normally try and be a little attuned to it because at the beginning I was behind a few games of the people I was playing and some people like got those extra warlord traits or relics right away and poured them into their models. So getting that extra wild dice in the beginning uh, means that you usually can either pick if you go first or end up with extra abilities. And if you, you know, focus on getting abilities or making your the most impact out of your models, having a model that now has an extra attack or with a universal or, you know, it's the first turn you're going to try and move into a position, having an extra inch on your fighter's movement for that turn is so clutch. And you can really pick and choose, right? If they, uh, you know, say you're playing somebody with the six models, let them take the first turn and get their guys into position. So that way you can counter position and, and really push them and bully them where you need them to be. Um, because they'll be out of activations well before you, you can kind of force their hand. And having the initiative and the choice is a big deal. That'll help with that yeah. a lot. I would also recommend, like just in general, at the start of your game, uh, taking stock of reputation also leads to the conversation of, well, what heroic traits do you have? What artifacts do you have? I, Josh and I were playing, and I, he'd played a few games, gotten a few more things. And it was my duty to ask, uh, but I got caught off guard uh, by his by his leader uh, having a couple of things, and I was like, "Oh, I wish I would have asked." So I just knew that those things were potentials on the board. So good to have a little discussion and and you know chat about uh, what what's contributing to your reputation. Uh, talk about you know it's also a fun time to talk about what your warband's been through or what what they're doing right now. What quest are you on, etc. I didn't know that I was that Josh was on a quest where he had to steal initiative from me, and I didn't let him do that the whole game. And I would have taken way more joy out of that had I known uh, that I was robbing him of his mission. You know, I guess that I guess that brings the question is, is you know, do, do, should you inform your opponent or not? You know, because because like, actively, you know, like if right. you have to take out the enemy hero for your quest, mm. is it important to let them know so they can actively thwart you or not? That's a good question. I think you know you might be right on on quests and stuff. Uh, maybe you don't need to tell anybody. Um, so that's reputation. Next is the campaigns. Uh, oh, sorry, we talked about the one extra wild dice versus reputation so cut that out if we can one of the uh i don't know if this is new i can't remember if we could do this before but there's a uh flea mechanic again the overall like if half of your fighters have been taken out of action then at the beginning of the next initiative uh phase you can choose to flee the battle you can choose to leave and not have any more of your fighters be either you know taken yeah. out of action yeah, this is new this is new which i you know I think usually half my warbands, I'm at least surviving to round three or four. You know, th round three they get taken out, and so I don't, I don't always think about fleeing, which I should because I got fragile little, um, you know, humans, uh, and they should get out of there more. They're not afraid to retreat, uh, so I should use that mechanic more. Have either of you used this mechanic? I've recommended it to somebody I was playing because uh, it just got to be to the point where I knew I would I would kill all their fighters. All their fighters would be dead mm. just because of how the game had started to slide. And I was like, look, those are a lot of extra injury rolls. Maybe this is the time where if you want to, this is a mechanic the game has and, it, and presented it. It wasn't to be like a jerk uh, yeah. or anything like <laughs> that. And they didn't take it that way. But I was like, 
here's how I see this next group, this next group of actions happening. And this is, you know, I'll inspire courage here, da da da. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, no, that's yeah. I think I'll, I think I'll bounce. And then they were able to find like they ended up rolling super hot on their search check. And I was like, yes, see rewards. But yep. it, it's just a nice way to say like, hey, it, it's a, it's the most graceful bowing out of a game I think I've seen on tabletop in general. Like, cool man, you got me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dip and go find my stuff so that next game I actually have some fighters that aren't injured. Cool, cool. <laughs> so yeah. yeah especially one of you know there's there's the um what is it called the quest the universal quest explore the narwood where you you need to have three fighters to explore so if you're in danger if you're on that quest and you you know lose all but one model not that i would have ever experienced that uh then you can't do that quest fully right Mm-hmm. It's because your models need to survive to be able to uh, search the gnarl wood. So it could be good to, to to focus on your quest. I you know, and that's that poses an interesting question too because I've I was fighting a game against my son and I wanted a heroic trait for my Kurnoth hunter and I had to choose between making the right move and winning the game, winning the victory condition, uh, or uh, losing like or my Kurnoth could activate and kill Ooh. kill a uh, opposing hero and and win its quest and i chose to go for the quest over the victory so things like that you know your quest can play a role in how you play the game um, which is i think it has an impact and i think that that's important for a quest Mm -hmm. so i was just going to add to that and state that uh, i think one of the interesting mechanics of the current narrative system is that you send fighters forth you know kind of like you did in Mordheim, where they're going out and exploring and they're finding treasure they're finding new places and i think that makes or, or that that um being able to flee so that you still have fighters to do that mechanic is important so i i'm i'm happy they added that particular mechanic to the system because you know you got to think about oh is it worth if i need to send fighters forth to find a new encampment or find treasure do I really need to stay here and try to duke it out or should I pull back and save my fighters to do that mechanic? So, yeah. Another reason, and we'll talk about this particular thing uh, later is that uh, renown is important for your, specifically for your leader uh, that if they get injured or slain, if they get slain in the aftermath and the injury rolls and you have a point of renown, then you can keep them from being slain. But if you don't have fear has lost all their renown, you may want to dip before they die, right? And so, you know, that's that's a good reason to to flee a battle is to preserve, you know, your injury rolls or, you know, the health of your warband. I think there's some some good tactical Definitely. decisions there. Yeah. Uh, anything else to talk about on? Nope. Nope. No. All right. And then, so then, what we have uh, in in narrative campaigns is at the end of each battle. We go through the aftermath. What are the results? What are the, what's the impact of the game that we just played and, and all the things that happened? And there are seven steps uh, for this. First step, we calculate glory. Glory is calculated a little bit differently than it was before. Um, I think before it weighted more glory on winning the battle. In this case, get uh, a glory. You get three glory for playing the game which is great. Everybody gets you know, like you're, you're guaranteed three glory. If you won the battle, you get two glory. If you, if the battle was drawn instead, you each get one glory. Uh, if you've, if you took each other's, if either of you took a leader out, you get one glory. 
if you took out half or more of the fighter's warband, you get one glory. And as we talked about previously, if your opponent's reputation is one to four greater than yours, you get an extra glory. If it's five to nine greater than yours, you get two. If it's higher by 10, you get three more glory. Mm-hmm. And I think what we'll talk, you know, over the course of playing this, we'll, we'll understand better whether or not if you have 10 more glory than me or 10 more reputation than me, is three glory a good uh, balance for that? Um, I think that's still the question that's probably up in the air. And a lot of these were, you know, similar before, you know, they added it in the, the Toma Champions. They kind of made some revisions to the glory system, which was good, which made it more uh, kind of stressed playing games, more importantly than winning games. Uh, one, one thing they did add for this edition is that now there are ties. So you can actually have two glory for ties. Mm. Uh, which which you didn't get before, which is kind of a nice uh, change, I think. All right. So then, after glory, we suffer injuries. Uh, Every fighter that was taken out of action uh, rolls on a D66 table. And I would say, you know, this was something that we did before. I would say roughly, was it roughly half, uh, the higher half, uh, 24 and above? Maybe it's less than half because it's, it's if uh, the first, the D10 is a two, and if the the tens is a four or better, you're relatively low impact. Uh, you, lo- you might lose renown. Otherwise, it's a flesh wound, or you gain a level of renown on a, on a 66. So 24 and above, you're relatively safe. But everything from there could be 11 to 13. You, you, the model is killed. It's slain. Uh, you remove that fighter from your warband. Your leader is also not necessarily immune from this unless they have renown. Otherwise, it could be, you know, uh, half the wounds, minus one toughness, minus one movement, all that sort of thing. Any of the attributes could be lessened. And that's why it's nice to have either glory to spend on replacing them uh, or have another model in your warband that in your roster that you could replace them for the next battle while they heal. Any thoughts on the, the, the injury table? Is it appropriately... Uh, nail biting for you guys? <laughs> I think so. I mean, it's very similar to the trial champions, and and uh, I was super happy that they incorporated most of the trial champion stuff into the new narrative methods because I think it certainly adds a a deeper element to the narrative and makes it more interesting. And they they added the fact that your leader can die uh, if they don't have any renown, so you obviously have to decide now whether or not to spend all the renown for your leader and risk having them potentially die in your particular campaign, which I think is a, a nice element. It's not guaranteed that they will die, but you, you can choose whether or not you want to take that risk. Yep. I, I'm always worried about, I've had so many models killed. Like you would think that a, a yep, 13 would be hard to roll, <laughs> but it is not hard to roll. And we've had models die in Necromunda, our leaders, you know, both of us, you oh, know, it's like, Oh my God. You know? And that's, and that's the one area we, uh, Josh and I, we've said it before, Josh and I have played a, a Necromunda campaign, and I think uh, Davey, da- another player, uh, Davey from the- And Tim. Uh, yep. And Tim from the What the Hex uh, podcast, uh, Davey and I both lost our, our leaders uh, the first game, uh, and they didn't have a mechanic for getting them back. So if there were one rule I'd say take out of there, I'd say take out the possibility of your leader uh, being slain, because I build so much of my narrative around my leader. So yep. yep. I think it's you know on the narrative side get rid of that, but that's what can happen in the the suffer injuries. Then we roll to earn renown, and that's we've talked about that. It's great for your hero. 
Uh, Renown is a mechanic that lets you, is an alternative for um, reactions. Reactions in the rules is using a future action to react to being attacked. With Renown, in narrative, you can use Renown to have that that reaction be a free action uh, once per game. But so you're in Renown, you roll a dice for any model that was taken out of action. On a, on a six, they gain one Renown. If a model survived, they get plus one, so or five or six, they get renowned. And it's nice. It get, it's like a little tiny buff for your little guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the the replacement for Destiny. You know, we get Destiny yeah, levels yep, in previous editions. This is different. But there's more use for it here. Yep. Right? Then uh, once you're in Renown, then we further your quest. So if you are looking for an artifact uh, or a, a, you know, a greater artifact, here's where you would uh, roll and add your... Uh, modifiers and see if you've succeeded in earning 15 or here's where if you're um what are some of the other ones uh so if you're going after your encampment uh your your grand alliance encampment you would roll to see if you've got that Uh, so things like that would happen here and then from there you send your fighters forth and this is where this is a really fun part where exploring the gnarlwood can get you anything from finding a greater artifact or a lesser artifact. So you discover treasure entry tables <laughs> or yep. You, if you, on, if you roll a one on this exploration, you got to roll on the injury table again. So, you know, not great, but starting at uh, 51, uh, you start getting into encampments that you can find. So this is where it can be really good to go and look for a new encampment is, you know, that uh, th- the quest that gives you three searches on the Narwood exploration table gives you a higher likelihood of finding one of these encampments. The the most more most likely is that uh, you f- you discover treasure and then you roll on the the Gnarlwood lesser artifact table. And uh, just like the old tables it has everything from um, free healing to uh, toughness to um, kind of climbing over stuff. So there's a you know artifacts the lesser artifacts like like in the previous edition they're small little buffs. I guess quick question for you guys on that. How do you feel like lesser artifacts impact the game now versus how they used I think to? they they have a lot of a lot of pull with it. Uh they they definitely change in their own right how your fighters will act because some of them are real good and having some of these on your characters like the lesser ones can make or break around uh and can be really a really a focal point for the game. Celestite Dial. <laughs> yeah. Celestite Dial gives you a, a free teleport uh, once in the game, and then it, it goes away. Well, in the Carnosaur, uh, what's the Carnosaur Blood? That gives you... Yep. That makes Crits on a 5-up. Yeah. And that's real good when you have a whole bunch of attacks, right? It takes my... Yeah. Uh, it takes Zirin, uh from zero to hero pretty fast. Not that he's a zero, but it makes him superhero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, even, even the Aqua Garanis where you heal 3d6 has been, you know, that's super nice. Clutch. You can have, you can get up to three of them depending on which, you know, you value your role on the table. Um, yeah. I do miss the fact that, you know, towards the end of 1.0, we, we ended up getting specific lesser artifact tables for each Grand Alliance. So it was very u- unique and kind of lore-centered. Um, so hopefully we'll kind of get towards that well, a little bit, you know, as we if evolve. You, if you get, this is the incentive to get your Grand Alliance encampment because <laughs> right, uh, right. then you get access to your, to a Grand Alliance specific set Good of point. artifacts. Good point. 
And that's where we were talking, like, it would be nice that if you went to the trouble of getting that encampment, that it was, there is one, one role on there that can change a threatened back to a secure encampment. Uh, but it would be nice if that was a little bit hard, harder to lose mm-hmm. um, once you get it, because you, you do work a little bit hard at it. But yeah, so that that's where you get them at the moment, which I didn't realize the first time I was doing it, but it does make me want to go back and try and get that in camp. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I haven't, hadn't achieved that yet. So that's definitely. Yeah. So then send fire fighters forth. Then you manage your warband and here's where you erase uh, <laughs> models off your warband. If they've been slain, uh, if you want to purchase new models and try them out, here's where you do that. Here's where if I've, I've finished my quest to get uh, an ally, here's where I spend the glory to get them back in there. But this is also where we roll to see if any perishable lesser artifacts uh, stick around or if they go away or if any injuries that have we've gotten in past games uh, go away. And if you're specifically if you had a model injured in the last game and you didn't play them during this ne- this game that you just finished, they get plus one to their uh, role to. Uh, yeah, so I thought heal, that was a nice mechanic that they yeah. added there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, generally, it's all four up. So on a four up, perishable item sticks around with you. On a four up, you heal uh, a wound. Um, if if they were in this game, if they weren't in the game, then on a three up, they um, heal the wound. So that's nice. So that's managing your warband. You're, you're kind of doing that. And then you make your encampment check. And this is where you roll two dice. And on, if either, if on any ones, you further the insecurity of your encampment uh, with one, one. Uh, you go from secure to threatened and on a second one, you go from threatened to compromised. And the tough part there is then you get none of the benefits. You don't get the, um, you know, additional wild dice or whatever, you know, bonus. You don't get the extra list points, but you do keep whatever reputation modifier. So it counts. uh, Your opponents still get extra glory for fighting you, uh, but you don't get any of the benefits. You drop the 950 points. Oh, you dropped to 950. You're correct. Yep. 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 Uh, so it's a little hindrance and that's tough. So that is the aftermath phase. I, my son loves going through the aftermath phase. I think he likes that more than playing the game. How is that all going for you guys? Uh, it's been fun. It's, it's always one of those things, uh, especially with some of the newer hobbyists that I've been able to recruit this time around. They, they're from D&D worlds or they're from either that or they're from very competitive game systems where that just doesn't matter. Like, oh, well, I won this game and my hero died. Well, I'll put him on the table in another 30 minutes and he'll go play something else to wait, 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 my hero, what now? And he's, he's got a, a what, what did he have? He's, he's got renown. Oh, that's, that's cool. What does that mean? You know, like it just adds adds a lot to the gameplay experience and the shared gameplay experience and i just i'm i'm here for it it's really great i agree agreed i think i think one of the most um fun aspects of of Bornheim was you know seeing your characters evolve you know even the you know warcry 1.0 seeing you know what does my hero get he gets his command trait you know he gets artifacts warband gets lesser artifacts they continue to grow over time and you know it, it's it's that, that kind of helped build the narrative in terms of, you know, how's the warband doing? What else do I add to it? All this kind of plays into the story of this of the warband and how it grows lore-wise. And that's, that's, you know, definitely one of the most fun parts. Yeah. 
it's starting to get a rhythm too, where I feel like, all right, I know how to do this next. I know how to do this next. I feel like trial of champions. I didn't quite get into that rhythm. So I don't know what's different with this. Um, but I feel like I'm, I'm in that rhythm a little bit more. I know a few more things by heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's number of games, uh, or something like that. But yeah, it could be. It's feeling you, good. They, they did, they did flesh it out a little bit more, I think with this particular narrative version. Well, I think like you said, Eric, it all, it all feels very rhythmic at this point. But that's because we've gotten so many games uh, since the launch, you know, and our, our league has everybody has gotten so many games since the launch. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's it's great. Aftermath is fun. It's it's great to see what you've accumulated, the ups and downs, the drama of it. And so the fact is, overall, you can gain things quickly and you can lose them just as quickly. Uh, and so there's there's a a bit of a scarcity to it. And so whenever you have something, it's it's nice to be able to use that in a game. Uh, but also plays to the fact that each game can't, like you maybe have the same balanced warband as your opponent this game, but next game you might go up, I might go down. Our next game is not going to be the same game as this one, uh, which adds a ton of variety and uh, variability uh, to this. So you got to kind of embrace that, right? Well, and I think one of the things, not to tie it right into, uh, you know, kind of our next part of this, is that... No, please the, do. That's a good... Yeah, yeah. The When you're playing, you know, not everybody has a giant league of 10 plus people they can play with and new recruits coming out of the woodwork. And I hope everybody does. Please tell me I'm wrong. Put it in the comments and tell me where communities will come play. But the, you know, if you are out in some place where it's just you and your buddy picked up sundered empire or sundered uh the sundered box Fate. yes that one yep. um you picked up the core box you picked up even an old war cry box that you found at the local comic book store that they happened to get by accident you pick up this box and you want to go home and play and you've got the core rules cuz they're online and free your warbands and your games aren't going to feel the same it, it, you could play 20 games against the same person and it's not going to feel the same. And this book has specific campaign arcs <laughs> for this very thing. Josh, would you like to talk about those super cool campaign arcs for two to four players? Yes. Yeah. So, so one of the, in, in 1.0, um, they launched a lot of different ways to play our particular campaigns. They had faded quests, they had branching quests. They had challenge battles. We had the normal quests. And of course, this is a new edition. We don't have all of that yet. But what they've done is they added this campaign art quest system that you can overlay on top of your current game system. So you can play your normal games and still kind of proceed through these campaign arts. So this is essentially a, a narrative layer that you can add on top of your normal gameplay. And they, they introduced several different um, different campaign arcs, one in the Rotten Ruin book that came in the box set, and one in the core rulebook. The uh, the core rulebook has one for two players, three battles. It's called the Path of Van Talax, which you're kind of working towards, you know, Talaxis. It also has the Chotek Valley, which is supposed to be a four-player multiplayer game where you have up to four battles, and then you have a, a overall deciding multiplayer game, you know, as you move towards Talaxis, the ruin within the center of the Narwood. 
uh, in Rotten Ruin, uh, there's, of course, the, the War of Rotten Ruin, a specific campaign arc designated for the two war bands that come in the box set. And, you know, we assume that we could probably get something similar in the new box set. So it's got two players, up to three battles, and then kind of an overarching, you know, final battle for that particular campaign arc. They do have an interesting multiplayer set called the Fell Alliance, which is designed for four to six players. But you actually play on two different teams. There's there's one team that's kind of defending an outpost, and the other team is trying to take it over. And there's typically, you know, three battles. Again, these are kind of overlaying your normal battles. So you play normal games, and you kind of catalog your results. And then at the end of it, there's a multiplayer game that, in fact, you know, everybody is playing at the same time. And, and this is one particular campaign arc that we've talked about, including in our particular uh, league that's coming up, which would be a lot of fun to yeah. uh, expand to a much wider number of people and uh, just trying to figure out how we uh, accomplish that in terms of a multiplayer game. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, having multiple games going on independently, like is a hallmark of Warcry, but there's some collective benefit that we can tally or, you know, uh, pull together to determine a group winner in a in a certain situation but yeah it's it's looking forward to trying these and that's yeah i mean i think that's one of the the uh, challenges too with having a league is it it's very easy for you know core narrative to work in a league where everyone's kind of working on their individual war bands and growing them and their different campaigns or quests to kind of further uh, or advance their own warband, finding out how to pull large groups or, uh, you know, that sort of stuff together or events into, you know, for Warcry for events, that will be something that we hope to see more kind of stuff on. Otherwise, like we did before, we'll, we'll invent mm-hmm. some. So what else do you guys want to talk about in terms of the Warcry narrative stuff before we move to listener questions? Um, I, I mean, I was just going to add again that I think the the way they've revised the quests, I, th- I you know, I, I find myself enjoying them a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I do like having those, being able to accomplish multiple quests within a certain, you know, like what used to be a normal quest sequence in 1.0. So I, I think people are enjoying that a lot more. I've enjoyed it a lot more. I kind of see the warband evolve more rapidly than it used to and, and kind of be able to build that narrative more quickly. That's been fun. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the, I mean, the big thing with it is, uh, and there's been some talk about this, is how narrative play can really ramp up with some of these relics. And I think that might be one of those things we talk about in a later episode, but it's just, uh, you can really take a character that you like and change them with the rules as written and in the book into some kind of absolute monster. And that's really cool to do and really cool to see. And the, the hobby opportunity to take a, you know, a, a, a Stabagrot leader and make him the all-seeing, all-tap-dancing thunder chicken of them all, have him running around oh, breaking nice. things, you know. Nice. Yeah, thunder chicken, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a new thing. Uh, tap-dancing. Tap, the tap-dancing tap part's uh, important. Uh, you should check out the Relic <laughs> uh, Epic tan- Tap-Dance Shoes. Is, um, is that a plus one move or a plus one groove? Uh, oh, it's both. He's moving and a grooving. Uh, I believe it's the shoes Delos foot loose. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can get it and give it to any Stabagrat model. Uh, the <laughs> yep, yep. 
That's going. That's going into the next. <laughs> <one>. Yes. The shoes to those footloose. I'll write the mission. It'll, it'll have to be a, a destruction mission. It'll be perfect. Done and done. Um. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you, you know there and. And that's really it. Like this is a narrative game, and it's a narrative setting. If you want to play it that way, it's it's you, the match play uh, way to play it is awesome too. There isn't a bad way to play Warcry. It's always going to be fun and fast in forty five minutes, and it's just super cool that you can take your character and dial them up. If you find that you've dialed up your character too much, maybe that's something you have a conversation with your play group on and decide together what what seems fair and right to you. It's not going to ever be perfect, right? It's If we were looking for the most simple and balanced game ever, we could play checkers and uh, still show our tactical acumen and prowess. But we play with these super cool models and we play with these super fun rules and narrative focus. I, I don't remember checker number 72 making it across the board and becoming a king, but I can definitely tell you, you know, the 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 match josh and i had with his wendigo versus my my disciples of zeech exactly how it went play for play and that's almost a month ago now so it's just like we play these cool cinematic games let it be cool and cinematic for you to um and and have fun with it if josh hadn't smashed the living heck out of my humans uh (laughs) i wouldn't have even thought about like it would have taken me longer to think about what my ally would be to 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 counter that right (laughs) and and that ally became a huge story for my warband and so i'm uh you take the good with the bad you take your punches and and uh your inspirations all all at once i can't wait to fight your cog rib disc just saying oh it's yeah. coming battle of the tentacles it's gonna be so awesome. it'll be even as we're talking so awesome even as we're talking here i found a bit within my uh, uh sector mechanicus stuff that allowed me to to do what i needed to do for this thing all right well should we get into the questions that's a good segue uh, we'll start with nuno then because this is monster hunter narrative event when you know, uh, so. <laughs> so, Nuno, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, I've I've actually been able to participate in an event that did something very similar, and I have some real big ideas. But without teasing too much here, you mm-hmm. know, you can kind of mm-hmm. see how to word this so it could be fun and a teaser hint. You know, there's Tundra there's a protocol for everybody, and there's a lot of travel that people <laughs> do to get to these games. Nuno. And uh, I think you'll find the travel and the monster worth the worth the trip. I don't know. I don't know if that works well enough. And you can edit this out I'm later. Intrigued. But, yeah. I'm intrigued. Okay. Yeah, but okay. The, uh, yeah, we'll have to delve into this yeah, further. No, the 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 quick segue, and we can edit this out later, is that they did this thing where you hunted a monster, and if you killed the monster, you could step through the realm gate because the monster is protecting the realm gate, and go to somebody else's mm. table and try and steal their monster. Or kill their warband. And so you'd have people, (laughs) but you're fighting a monster, so your warband's like three people when you try and step through. And you can choose to not step through and just have your monster. Uh, And then at the end, you do like kind of a monster battle with like you and four people. You take just your monsters and you put them in kind of like uh, in the Scheherazade tale of uh, one of the 10,000 knights. Yeah, where where they take their genies into the arena to fight. And uh, it just, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, it, it's it's kind of an amalgamation of a couple of the ideas that they had. So nice, yeah. awesome, nice. No, I would definitely have to think about yeah. that because we've been talking about some sort of unique narrative event post our 
uh, Adepticon, you know, event. So it'd be kind of fun to do something like that. The big question is, yeah. is that's a lot of monsters. And I do have a lot of Fomeroy <laughs> Crusters and Spearinxes, but like... Uh, Those are allies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. monster monsters are going to be trickier and more expansive. Correct. <laughs> yep, yep. I just happen to find like 40 Raptorix and happen to play horrors. So I have all of the, all the things. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we got chaotic beasts out the wasp. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many Raptorix. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll jump back to Tyriel, who asked, What is in the ship, you know, regarding Talaxis? You know, do you guys have any particular answers for that? Well, I think there's two ways of thinking about it. There's, uh, I mean, the, the story talks about, there's still artifacts in the ship. There's different stuff. Um, there is now there is um, like one of the encampments. Uh, what's it called? The shard of Talaxis. Shard of Talaxis. And when you get that, you get to roll on the greater or lesser artifact table, but you start with a, a six, which comes with like the idol of the salon, the stone serpent glyphs, the sacrificial dagger, the celestite dial, the shard of Amintok. Mechan- mechanism of the old one. So there's already scattered throughout. There's artifacts and different things that you get. I think, but then there's the, what are the tropes, right? There's, there's traps. There's, you know, uh, darts flying from the walls. There's big rolling rocks. Uh, there's uh, rooms that close and fill up with snakes or water or both. So I think there's a lot of, of dangers in there. But I think there's also there's a, a message or one of the the things was about the how, was it either that the spawning pools have malfunctioned uh, yep, or yep, for the you know, like, I mm-hmm. think that you know somebody mentioned that maybe there's a Saurus monster uh, that's no longer of the right mind and uh, you know so that there's some new you know dinosaur thralls or dinosaur um, allies that that are going to be crazy. What do you guys think? I think I think kind of the same thing. I'm really hoping for a whole bunch of like, like you had mentioned the salamanders and the razor don. Like those sculpts are are older and they're resin, and this gives them an opportunity to kind of put them in. I guess when we think about what's in the ship, uh, I think about kind of the path that uh, Kill Team, uh, our sister game in Warhammer Forty Thousand setting, has taken the into the breach uh, approach where. You now have like these really cool uh, urban adventures inside of a ship where you, you don't have a lot of mo- room to move around. And I know Catacombs kind of filled that that void and like did that did that thing. But I could see, you know, a, a Catacombs 2.0 coming with this would be pretty neat. And what is in the ship uh, from Tyrael? I, I think I think haunted car- carnosaurs that are just on the loose because I, I want to fight a carnosaur. And I think Order should have those as monsters because carnosaurs are super cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think there are traps. You know, there's unique artifacts. I, I am, you know, in terms of, like you like you said, on the wishful list of hoping that this would be a Catacombs 2.0 where we have some unique traps and circumstances and a board where you're navigating some of these elements, much more, like, you know, much like Blackstone Fortress, which I enjoyed a lot. You know, it'd be cool if they added some of those elements to this particular uh set towards the end i'm not sure we'll get there because they they want it all to kind of make a full aos board but i would love to see some catacomb elements kind of upgraded updated um in you know the final version of this particular campaign arc 
All right, so Nuno, besides his Monster Hunt narrative event question, he also had another question about is, you know, how could we best organize Warcry in a way that you could take your warband and bring it to other events um, and play it and, and continue your narrative at other events without, uh, you know, balance being a huge impact, you know. Um, you know so obviously, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit about the reputation system and how that's sort of supposed to balance um, warbands against each other a little bit. But uh, I think he's got a, a kind of a broader vision of, you know, I'm going to take my warband and my narrative. I'm going to go to Adepticon. I'll play there. Then I'm going to take that warband and any artifacts it's gained, glory it's gained. I'm going to go to Nova. I'm going to play there. You know, and how do I do that effectively? And I don't know if you guys have any good ideas for that right now. One thing I was just thinking was one of the places where if I'm facing a warband that's stronger than me, right? It's either got more artifacts or just is a, has a stronger core um, group to choose from or something like that or, or uh, more heroic traits. I think one of the places what I would love to see, so as is when you play Warcry, you first roll off to see who's attacker and defender, but there's no, except for a few quests where you get bonuses for being attacker, uh, being the attacker or uh, benefits from a uh, encampment where you want to be the defender. There's not a, uh, a lot to know on whether how that's going to impact the game. Next, you flip over all of the stuff and you roll off for like deployment, maybe you know this or this and that. I think it could be good if the the person who was the underdog got a little bit more say in uh, something like deployment or the type of battle. You know, like if you have the three types of battle, you know, fight, treasure, or objective that maybe they could take one out of there. Like, uh, I choose not to do fight or something like that so that the underdog gets an advantage on the style of game that they want to play. So that could be interesting to give them a few more choices along the way. What do you guys think of that? Yeah. How about you, Vin? Any thoughts? Um, I think I think that was my initial thought too, Eric. I think it's hard to let one side pick the, the quest versus somebody else, you know, like a random quest picking. And the reason is, is right, we used isolation as an example earlier today where, where poor Mike had one, he had his hammer versus my entire warband. <laughs> like, you know, you can have all the relics and all the artifacts in the world, but if it's two guys or three or four models versus my entirety of my warband, regardless of how leveled up or not leveled up I am, I should be able to kill you on activations alone. Mm-hmm. And it's just... I think it's it's a good way to like well intended, but as like a person who would be lower on that totem pole, if I came in and was like, "Cool, we're doing this and this, and I'm gonna smack you around a bunch," my victory wasn't my own because I kind of I kind of stole it, <laughs> right? And on top of that, I had to steal it because you're too good for me to fight on a regular, and it can you know one bad misstep in anything you know, sportsmanship wise will get you into a bad place regardless of how it started. But I think it just lends itself to some of those feel bads. To your question, Nuno, I, I don't know. I think a big thing is to to ask your opponent, you know, if when in doubt, talk it out, right? Ask your opponent if they're okay with it. Talk to the tournament organizers and be uh very, you know, straightforward. Hey, these are the things I have, these are the things I want, and these are the things I would use. 
it's one of the reasons why when I went to the tournament in Bloomington, I took Dark Oath and haven't been playing them here, even though I had plenty of opportunity to practice them here. It wouldn't have fit the narrative I was trying to build, right? Here's my Darko Savagers. They're going to go here and they might forget what they're doing. So having multiple warbands for different types of play has always been something I've been pretty uh, pretty solidly stubborn on. Like, okay, so my Dark Oath will be my competitive team this year if I'm going to take them. Or, you know, I, I apply this to other game systems where that, that competitive play is something that happens more frequently. I had a couple of thoughts when, when Nuno asked the question too, that A, when it comes to events for last year's Adepticon event, you guys handed out artifact cards that people can, if they come back again this year, they can use those cards, right? Right. And so there's a little bit of some carryover, but with an event, you want everybody's narrative to be more around this event rather than their individual experiences. So if you're bringing in a warband that already has experiences, that can feel like, oh, that was yours then. Maybe it could tie it all together, et cetera. But, you know, you want to maybe see the gains and the changes happen together in that group. So that's one thought. The other mm-hmm. is I think you have to uh, – it already takes a little bit of an honor system. Although, you know, we roll together. Like when we do Aftermath, we roll with our partner across the table and we kind of keep each other honest, right? Is a, it's a big leap of faith to say, okay, yeah, bring whatever artifacts or progression you've already got, and to to trust that someone's not just going to go find the, you know, the best combo, put it together, and come with with you know kind of those advancements that already work for them. So it's uh, you know there's a kind of a double edge where you know in, in narrative you want to trust everybody, but you know somebody could come in and and it just throws suspicion on whether or not. Uh, they're coming in honest, you know, and uh, I think trust is something you want to make sure that you have as much of when you're playing narrative. Yeah, I definitely think it's something you can incorporate more if you have a uh, ongoing narrative event, you know, you know, much like Paul's uh, event that takes place in a similar area, you know, year after year, you could say, okay, well, if you played in this event last year, you can carry these on, you know, these these particular traits or aspects on, you know, the next year. And, you know, and as we, uh, I guess, maybe establish ourselves, you know, or the events that we're doing, you know, these legendary artifacts are kind of one way to do that. But perhaps we can, you know, uh, expand that to if you're in this event year after year, you know, these are certain things that you can carry on in the next event. You know, and, you know that's certainly certain, certainly something we can evaluate and and explore as we continue to grow this particular aspect of the hobby but i think you bring up a point and and vint echoed it like these games are unbalanced and nothing you do is going to balance them perfectly so if one person's bringing history with them and another person's starting fresh you know right there 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 might be even if you're at the same points you're going to have some imbalance so maybe better to just embrace it and um you know like what and new knows i think you're advocating for that embrace the imbalance cool yep What's next? Cool. Who, who else? Our next questions? set of questions from Armoire Enthusiast Seven. Mike. Hi, Mike. Do you think we will see the faction-specific quests that the new warbands have for all factions? Factions. I, I think he's kind of referring to the, you know, as we mentioned before, the the White Dwarf Four Eighty One introduced a whole bunch of specific quests for Chaos Legionnaires. And um, personally. I don't think we will see that for every single faction. Um, I don't know what you about you guys, what you think. My guess would be we see it for the Warcry factions, like 
the original like Dogs of War, Cry, Untamed Beasts, um, sorry, Untamed Beasts, Iron Golems, Corvus Cabal, that sort of thing. I could see the Tome of Champions having uh, specific for them, but maybe not. What do you guys think? Uh, I think when it comes to this, for the new warbands, they'll have it out to kind of generate hype. They've been doing it with uh, the kill team and some of the other the other groups as the factions come out. There's something that runs alongside them, either parallel with lore or or some other um, like smaller narrative bit. But I think the other thing they'll do is if there's like new independent models that are coming out, like you know the Razor Dons or the Salamanders come out in a Warcry box, kind of like the Spheranxes or the Fomeroid Crushers. I think when those come out uh, and things like that come out, they'll they'll pop something in like ah the quest of runs as Salamander, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with some some accent right. marks in there. You know, <laughs> the quest to find the salamanders is here, and we're gonna go look for them. Here it is in Warcry. Go. So I feel like they're gonna they'll do teaser things like that. Um, and there there have been some in the past that they've done that with. So I just feel like it's it's very in the playbook for them to continue to do that exact thing. Yeah, with with newer releases, I don't I don't think they'll go back to all the older ones and say, oh, here's a whole bunch of new quests specific for all these different world bands. Fine. Uh, <laughs> don't do it then, W. <laughs> well, and I think maybe in the interim, right? Hey, you know, so we launch the new Sundered Empire box, uh, or we launch our new, whatever our new box is, and then after that box, we're going to launch something alongside of it that talks about those warbands uh, in a month. But, right, the, the new White Dwarf promise is that there should be something for every game system in there. So right. there's going to be something in there for Warcry. If it's like just a painting group or if it's a, you know, a, a short story or if it's a mission, the White Dwarfs should have something in there. So mm-hmm. I just I just foresee it eventually coming around to be like, ah, the Corvus Cabal are here fighting against somebody else. It's the new hype train. Uh, get your Corvus Cabal to fight the hype train. You know, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. Definitely. Counter. Uh, when they came out with the first Tome of Champions, it had quests for each individual faction. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, it's right now. What is it? What takes up four pages? Right. There's a heroic trait one. There's a treasure one, and then two pages for the encampment. So that could, that could be possible in the Tome of Champions for them to to go through and get something for each of the factions. Um, yeah. Good point. So good point. we've seen it before. Maybe we'll see it this time. Don't get your hopes right. up. Good point. All right, Mike's other question was about what do you think are the biggest outliers for quest rewards as far as feel-bad games? The order and destruction artifacts giving plus three, three damage, you know, three to hit, three to, to crit is obviously the most egregious. But what else could be could use balancing up or down for power or for fun? Uh, encampment checks, perishable items being 50-50 to lose also come to mind. So, uh, what are your opinions on that? Uh, I think the shoes de los footloose should not be <laughs> perishable. I think uh, the perishability <laughs> is all part of the bourgeoisie to keep you down and, and keep it so you're not dancing. Uh, I, I don't think it's nice. allowed. <laughs> Built <in. They> can't. <laughs> you covetous. <laughs> 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 
because you gotta <laughs> cut funny. loose the foot loose uh anyway <laughs> let those grouts dance um uh i i don't know i think even with those relics on the table i've done some some practice games at at home just to try it out to see how i would handle something that hits that hard i've put it on ogres and i've put it on a variety of stormcast models just to see how it would play out and it, they you know the the big thing to remember is just like a monster uh they only have so many activations right so if you can they'll kill two fighters a turn but if you fight them with four or six and you just kill them the rest of the warband has to keep up with the fact that all their damage is done and it, it can offset the general a little bit but even if it doesn't offset the general usually their plan has been to have this guy run around and bebop people in the face um, so if you can kind of play a little a little tactfully and smart, even then, that monster will definitely kill a couple of your things. And because their points don't go up with those artifacts, you're still you know trying to fight off a points per, per a points per replacement deficit that you'll probably have with that model. So you can either make it really expensive for him to kill all your other models with his other models, which or her mother models, which may or may not mm-hmm. be something they can do. Alternatively, you can have the you know just you just have the the stuff right again. You've got the the stuff you have too, and there's ways that you play that might be able to outsmart or outmaneuver your opponent. So you just you just sometimes you just got to punch them harder, right? The Sun Goku method. I'm just gonna hit you harder than I just did, and it'll it'll get through and you'll you'll go away. I think there's definitely plenty of relics that can be fixed, and there's definitely plenty of relics that can be changed or added to. But at the end of the day. It's still going to come down to the general to use them correctly. And they're, they're tricky for a lot of people to figure out because they do make the models much bigger and scarier than they should be without any kind of points adjustment or points increase, which I think would be one way to kind of fight back against some of it is, oh, here's this really big, uh, scary, crazy thing that's on the table because I added this relic. But, you know, here's also him as the same model, but now he's a hundred extra points more or you know, an extra 60 points here or there. And I think that that might help when you have such crazy relics. And then you don't have to change the relic, you've just changed the points and sure. make it a little bit more balanced that way. Uh, you know, if it's 50 points, that's less a fighter, probably. If it's 100 points, that might even be less too. I mean, I'm, I'd am i be more inclined to change the artifact because it has the least, like, it impacts the broadest thing without nitpicking and getting into lots of details of... Like, you know, I don't, I, th- I think the particular one with the three damage, I think we've all seen, I think there's a pretty large consensus that that is a big increase than most things are plus one move or plus one toughness. And this is plus three damage that get, feels pretty swingy. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, there's a lot of things that can kill you in, in like one round of combat. Although there's a rule that when something attack something tiny it always leaves it on one wound so you know you're wasting one activation um, (laughs) of of getting they get you to one wound and then they have to waste their second activation to kill you um but but i i don't think like i (laughs) yes i think we've talked a few things about like if you get an encampment and then lose it in the same aftermath that feels a little bit bad because you haven't even gotten the benefit of it for one game uh, there's a few uh, there's a few artifacts that that have gotchas, and if you know about them, they feel better than if you don't know about them. Like the chaos has the changes a critical hit into a regular hit. Like man, critical hits are so fun to get, 
to have that taken away is tough. That's just a general heroic trait. It's not even oh, chaos. No, it's, okay, it's a, gen, a gen, uh, generic one or general or universal one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, like there's some of those that like you just need to know about them, etc. But um, I think for me, the <laughs> the general dying uh, would feel really bad, or your leader dying would feel really bad. Losing your encampment, the same aftermath that you got it, uh, would feel really bad. Um, and I think. I don't think the plus three is like, that doesn't feel as bad depending on, I think it probably depends on what, what hero has it too. Cause I fight a, a five ten damage, uh, gut Lord, uh, with my son. And that feels really like you just get crushed by this guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I've just That'd learned to, avo- 13. I've learned to avoid that guy, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, so eight, eight thirteen would not be much different than five ten for, for that. <laughs> No, no. Well, I mean, it would auto shot one person with a normal hit. Oh, sure, but uh, I he yeah. has three attacks, so whether it's yeah, yeah, know, exactly, <laughs> right, it's all the same. <laughs> just all the same. Uh, <laughs> although he's got, you know, it can take one like a medium level fighter and make them a, a pretty devastating fighter. So with the chance of losing <laughs> it, but yeah, right, all right. Uh, Iron Pit had a couple questions, or uh, let's take one question. How would you personally link certain quests together to tell a story? As in, which way would you each try to tell a story with using the game mechanics, which quests, which order, what were banned, etc.? Hmm. I tend to go the other way around where I let things be random and I try and figure out what's what the story is. Like, oh crap, that went sideways. Okay, what's the story here? Uh so I I tend to let the kind of go with well. I, I guess I, I needed to find an ally because I was getting my butt handed to me. So that's how I told that story of uh, mm-hmm. going back to camp and, and demanding that the, the chief uh, cog, what should we call it? Cogsmith uh, get their button gear and design something better than what we've got to, to fight this stuff. So, I mean, yeah. So I go, I go a little, Hey, what do I need for the game? And then how can I wrap a story around it? How about you guys? Um, when it comes to linking the stories together, across like the games oh, in terms of what quests you decide oh, to do yeah. yeah i mean is it lore related or so for this last time i just wanted to try all the quests <laughs> just to try and figure them out uh for the next time it's going to be much more narrative driven because i do have goals and syncing up your goals with what you're doing kind of like with what um eric was saying you just you want to you want to line them all up together so like i i'm going to need the points uh, I'm going to need the glory points. Um, so I need to get the monster. I'm going to go after the monster early. And my hopes is that it takes me a couple games because I need to earn uh, six plus glory. Or, yeah, six, it'd be seven glory in the first couple games to be able to afford him before I even go try and tackle him. Because I'm not going to try and tackle a monster and not be able to use him. Um, and I want the monster in as many games as I can have him because I really want to get some practice with him. And he's a circle of paint guy. Like the mutilith has to happen. He is inevitable. So I'll be, you know, I'm going to be mapping my quest literally along that line and like, uh, probably even going so far as to flow chart at this time. Cause I want this to be a really big, uh, a really fun, really cool narrative. And that'll give me some options for writing points too, uh, based on who I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that idea. Yeah, and I kind of went with that same kind of thinking with my Wendigo in terms of like they started out you know, okay, they were converted, they sent out to the to the Narwood, they were searching for artifacts, and once they found an artifact, then they decided to 
find a site to corrupt and, and convert to, you know, to Gur. And, you know, so it kind of drove the narrative in that particular aspect. But, the, but you know, much to Eric's point, I kind of did the reverse with the, with the Legionnaires, where it was more like, okay, they went out there looking for an artifact, and then I kind of tweaked what the quests were, depending on what their needs were. Do I, oh, do I need a new encampment? Or, oh, I'm, I'm facing some some challenges. Maybe I need a new heroic trait instead. You know, so I, I definitely think it it pays to kind of, you know, and I think that's organic, you know, in terms of, okay, well, yeah, this is how my war band is playing. And, oh, and narratively, this is what I need to do next. And I think that's part of the storytelling. And I think that's definitely more natural. Yeah, I think that... I tried I tried to go after the encampment first narratively. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I need to go find a trading post, which is the the order uh, encampment quest. Right. And so I spent three games being able to get to that and then tried playing the playing that scenario three games. And so on my seventh game, I was I was I cu- I quit the quest because I couldn't finish that that scenario. And after on game seven, I didn't have any boosts but other people had heroic traits and artifacts. And so mm-hmm. I went a more narrative route, but then I found myself like, Oh, maybe I needed to build up my warband a little bit before going after that encampment or before going after a, a monster or, you know, that sort of thing. So I sort of, yeah, I think I saw, I, I think the route that you took um, Josh is probably something I'm going to try and think a little bit more closely about of like, well, what, what heroic trait am I starting with? What, and maybe early on fighting my leader versus somebody else's leader will be more likely before they get beefed up. <laughs> right. So, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I might go that. I might go towards heroic traits first, but we'll see. Awesome. All right. Uh, our next question is from Chrisling, who asks, what advice would you give to a player embarking on their first narrative campaign? Name everybody. Take a bunch of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yes. yeah. I play. Pick a, a group that you want uh, to play. Uh, try a bunch of different things, and then you know, uh, if you need to start over, I <laughs> I started my warband over because the first stuff I picked didn't work. So uh, just yeah, go into it and and have fun, and then uh, figure out other stuff later. Like don't don't put too much pressure on getting it all right the first time. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, you know, put some a little bit, uh, perhaps a little story narrative behind why your warband is there, and then and tweak it based on you know, okay, well, this didn't work. I'm going to add these other things. Then you can say, okay, well, adjust your narrative to fit what your warband is and why they're changing and, and why they're still there and how they're progressing. You know, so it, you know, everything's an evolution of things, so mm-hmm. it can mm-hmm. change. And and the other thing too is uh, you're the author, right? If you're having a hard time and your your warband keeps losing, you know, write that in. Have have it be a saboteur. Have it be a you know a, a poor you know poor leader, and then change the the leader's name halfway through if he ever dies. Like I fired him, get rid of him. I have a new leader. Uh, this this it went from Hans Landa to Klans Landa, and he's he's ready to go now. <laughs> you know what, Buster's doing the best he can. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> he's he's just a human in a in a demon's world and uh <laughs> and he doesn't get fired just because he can't win more than 10 percent of his battles exactly <laughs> that one percent grows back buddy it'll be okay 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. Our next question is from Tough Ghost. Uh, asks, how sweet would an Anvil of Apotheosis supplement be for Warcry? What faction would you want to make a custom hero for? Uh, last question first, I'd make a custom hero for all of them because <laughs> right. it'd be like, not? just to imagine whatever the heck you wanted. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm very curious. I think we're probably all curious on like how the sausage is made in terms of how things are pointed, which I think would probably be the biggest reason they wouldn't do this is because it would like unveil oh this is worth this point or this much worth worth this point although maybe it would get some rapid testing of what all those points are and what people chose mm-hmm. and what felt overcosted like they're doing with um the, the the larger game but yeah i would love to create something unique um one of my favorite events is holy havoc and uh which is a, a um, team event and you get a warlord that starts off with some base stats and then throughout the games you get to add different stuff to them which is a fantastic mechanic and makes it feel you just build whatever model you want that fits that and you know it's a fantastic uh mechanic for making your warband feel so unique to you so i guess over over covid this is one of the things i worked on is i sat down and i used the gotrek model uh and mission that they had when gotrek launched uh, that you could pick up at a GW. And I sat down with that and figured out that you could apply it to most fighters, most leaders or heroes. And it kind of checks out. It kind of still works. It's not quite as oppressive as uh, Gotrek running around smashing everybody, but it's it's pretty good still. So I uh, I would recommend it if it's something that you're interested in. It's in one of the old White Dwarfs. I think it's in Warhammer Vault at this point. But you can you can you can find that. Uh, and my initial plan was to take a character and run them through like three or four missions of Anvil of Apotheosis version 0.5 beta test, whatever it was going to be, and run them through a couple Warcry games, and then build them into a Warcry army or a Warcry warband, and then build that warband into um, a full army. So that's always kind of been a goal of mine. I I've I've tried it a couple times, but you know, playing it at home versus finding, you know, a few, a few people that aren't like my significant other to play with me to, to get out. And- I'm not your significant other. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm the, the one. one. I could be, I can be your hero, baby. Um, so. Win beneath your <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a super fun thing to try. Um, I found about three quarters of my leaders didn't make it past the anvil, though they uh, <laughs> they got massacred in one or two of the other ones. Uh, you can you can put some hurt on another warband, but they eventually get you. I I ended up having to do them in catacombs because then you know you just have to stay away and, and kind of push them into the lava and hope for the best with abilities. Um, I use last man standing rules, so. There were times where I had extra attack on like rampage into somebody. You know, it just it worked out okay. It was just very, very difficult still, regardless of the warband you were fighting into. But it, it's fun, and it makes for a fun narrative. And uh, post post in the Discord if you're looking for the rules. I think you can find them somewhere. Yeah. No, I think it would definitely be fun to have some uh, Anvil of Apotheosis rules for, you know, setting up your Warcrying leader in terms of making it more unique from what, what the current model is or whatnot, you know, whether it's a trait adjustment. I mean, you know, we have heroic traits, which is nice because then you get tailor it a little bit um you know but in terms of 
what stats you decide to give it or, you know, whatever else. That, that would be cool. That would be cool. And uh, I think I would probably start with something chaos just because I have a lot of the the war bands from the, the war cry set. That would be a lot of fun. All right. Our last set of questions are from Kaylor. Uh, given your current experience with a 2.0 narrative system, is there anything you've already thinking about tweaking to have a more balanced leak experience? And would you alter or simplify anything if you were introducing a group or brand new players to the system? Fant. Man, uh, when it comes to this, I, I mean, we've touched on some of it. Some of the relics, maybe we we dial back. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think having halos on your leaders for the first few missions is good. I think eventually having your hero die does add to the story because right now, what's your warband gonna do? Who's gonna step up? Right. But it's it's still a rough time, right? Because you normally put a lot of focus on your leader. I think I think there's a lot. There's a lot that that can be. Fix, fix, quote, fixed and changed. But I, I think the game by itself sits fairly balanced um, as far as the gameplay <laughs> you're looking for, right? Like, if you want to play a bunch of uh, awesome human converted models, you're going to have a good time most of the time. They're just super cool models, and everybody's going to feel bad when they if they kill them, if they can. You know? They got to catch them. I hope you feel bad. I hope you feel bad. I do. <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> when to go are hungry. go are hungry. So I, I don't know. I don't think there's much to change. I think, you know, maybe monitoring to see, right, it's it's fun to make these super min-maxed out, out warbands, but you, you want to be careful with that if somebody's playing really, really hard and the goal should always be to make sure everybody's having fun if it's their first game or their 750th win. Uh, Josh Arrington looking right. at you. <laughs> I haven't won that many. <laughs> 749. My bad. Uh, <laughs> I did beat you once. Um, the <laughs> But no, for real, I think, uh, I think the big thing is, is like, make sure everybody's having fun. And like, if it's a new hobbyist, like maybe have somebody that understands that their, their games are going to be a little bit different. And can bring a couple warbands to play, so they have their. I'm going to play a new person warband, or I'm going to play against, you know, a league game. Right. And making sure that that responsibility is balanced out, so that you don't have somebody uh, like playing their humans into new people and wanting to make sure they have a good experience. And as such, poor Buster doesn't never levels up. You know, it's a, it, it's a <laughs> thing. You want to make sure it's a, a shared responsibility because recruitment it should be part of your hobby because then the more people we get to play the more diverse and interesting your narrative becomes. And it, it's just going to make your hobby richer by adding more people. Agreed. And so like, you know, talk to your friends about Warcry. It's not fight club. Bring everybody, send out flyers, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, <laughs> link the right. podcast in yeah. your chat at least once a day. <laughs> this is a shame. I don't know what you're talking about. about. The <laughs> it's funny. That's funny. So I've played a, a bunch of um, starter games, uh, as I mean other people here have too. And I, I, what I, I mean, a couple ideas: um, start with, go with a f- vanilla list. Ever just pick some models out, have a warband for them if they don't have one already, or just say tell them to pick out their favorite models and uh, you know have the rules ready for them with the with the compendium or something. I would say you, a couple of things you could do is you could go with half as many models you know, like do 500 points so that rounds go faster. You get through a game quicker and they get, you know, kind of feel a sense of that accomplishment and 
don't play to win. Uh, play to help them experience all the, the the parts of the game. So put one of your models up there for them to charge in and hit it. Give them things to say, oh, I, this is what happened. Uh, I'm carrying treasure, one of my actions, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, and then lastly, I usually pick, um, there's uh, one of my favorites is higher ground uh, to play where you you win by having the most models up on platforms uh, rather than on the on the floor or the ground floor and that one is a nice one because it's it's not specifically kill anybody's stuff it's not it certainly still is a little bit more like a objective mission where more models is better but it's also not movement uh favoring so it's a nice neutral one it's easy to understand it's a fun one to do uh, so I, I tend to just pick that out and say, hey, we're going to play this game. So rather than flipping and, and going with the random stuff, I leave twists off. I leave uh, reactions off for the, the first um, kind of game or two. So that's a, that's a quick off the top of my dome list of things that I've been doing. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I've done something similar, like, uh, you know, just this past weekend where my, my stepson, who who played a lot of Warcry 1.0, was fairly competitive, was interested in learning the new system. So, you know, so what I did is I just took my standard base, no heroic traits, no artifacts, whatever, uh, Chaos Legionnaires versus his, his Soul Blight. And, you know, he ended up, you know, taking whatever models he wanted. So he had three different heroes and we just played a mission. You know, we pulled the cards, we did, you know, twists and all that other stuff. But uh, but like you said, uh, Eric, you know, right on. It's just in terms of okay, we're playing to test the mechanics. You know, this is how reactions work. This is how charging, you know, works. This is how, you know, these sorts of interactions, you know, and and making sure it's something that kind of embraces movement as well as strategy and some other aspects. You know, higher ground is a great one. You know, definitely, I agree with that. And and kind of just teaching them. All the different aspects, you know, in terms of, oh, oh this is movement, this is difficult terrain, climbing, maybe you got cover, you know, uh, and, and, and organically introducing the different rules, you know, that are part of the game. Uh, but making it more, I guess, more fun overall and, you know, in terms of, you know, what are your warman doing? And, you know, we're having fun, we're playing and, you know, it's, it's not like I'm going to try and beat you down. <laughs> so <laughs> that that's the most important part is you're playing to be, you know, like, you know, like Vince said. You're, you're, you're here to introduce other people to the hobby, have fun, and, and you know, push these models around and have a great time. You're the host. Be a good exactly. host. Come to my house, I'll show you a good time. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> then, when you're, then when you get overconfident, when you get overconfident, then the lessons begin. <laughs> Congratulations, you've earned this. Uh Right. You've graduated. <laughs> awesome. And here's what I'd say. Most people, the second game or by the third round, have most of it figured out, uh, especially yes. if they're familiar with war games. So it's not so complex. Um, I've had only had one uh, that's ended with like someone saying that it felt really crunchy. And I think they've just been playing other systems or coming more from board games or something to where this is crunchier than that. I think if people are playing AOS or 40K or Kill Team, this feels easy. So, and if you've been listening to this episode, you will know that Eric's younger son is kicking his butt with ogres. My my ten year old picked up on the rules well enough. Yeah, he scoured the book and said, "Oh, this guy does the most damage." (laughs) You have these models, Dad. I don't have that particular warband with models that I have. I don't have enough models to to satiate him. 
He wants to get more ogres on the table. <laughs> I don't have enough. The ogres are too hungry. I cannot satiate right, them. <laughs> right. My son's turning into an ogre. But yeah, it's it's been fun seeing him make it his own and get too big for his britches. And now I need to take him down some notches. I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I've learned something very important on this podcast. And that's if I don't want to get beat by my son, I shouldn't have one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We've got some to spare. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want Ben to be me either. Gosh, <laughs> I saw what he did to Mitch after he but, beat uh, him one time. <laughs> Mitch had it coming, right? right. Oh man! And yeah, no, just to, just to add to that, I think the new quest system <laughs> is also quite conducive to new players because it, you know, you accomplish things more quickly. Just to add to that, man, don't don't have kids though. <laughs> I didn't want to bash Mitch. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I, I I'll have to let him know that he made the podcast, and then we won't put him in, and it'll be great. Yeah, right. Listen to the end. Listen to the end. You're in it, but we cut it out just because you know. That's so funny. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, his second. Well, thank you for the questions. Yeah. They're thanks. super great questions tonight. Very, very awesome. good. All right, Vince, you want to wrap all us right, up? All right, now that we've talked about all of that, how are we feeling about this edition? I feel great. Uh, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, oh, good. Great. One. Yeah, I, I, I thought you'd nice. like that. Nice. That's yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> um, I think jumping back into this league and playing this game, it's felt it feels like Warcry. Um, it, I think, it feels just as cinematic and uh, fun as it did before, with some tweaks and and breathing. I haven't, you know, I haven't gone back to the warbands we played in the first edition, so I don't know that one for one. But I'm having a lot of fun. People are excited about it. Our league is growing again, and so I'm feeling really good. Uh, the de- yep. you know the details are neither here nor there. We can homebrew stuff if we feel like it. So I'm not I'm not too bent out of shape if something isn't perfect. And I've been playing a warband that gets its teeth knocked in on a regular basis, and I'm loving it. So um, that's how I'm doing. For, well, yeah, for now until I get my sweet revenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm certainly enjoying the new edition, the new terrain and the lore that's behind it and and uh while the war bands are fighting there and i've been enjoying the new rule set quite quite a bit how about you vent uh like i said i really like the new edition a lot it, it really is great but i i think i think the like to me the big thing is that it's always going to be an infusion of new models it's always going to be an infusion of of something slightly different and something that isn't every single time the same you know, uh, one of the goals I had with the first Warcry box was I wanted to try every mission there was in there. And it was fun. Uh, and I got through all of them. Um, it took me a long, long time and a pandemic, but I got through all of them. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's just something so cool. And, you know, I've played a lot of the missions already, but that doesn't mean that I've played all of them. And I haven't played all the twists. And it's just super cool to try and, you know, using those missions and putting it on a catacombs board also makes things absolutely insane. Like, it's just, it's a lot of fun all the time. And it's, it's such a variable game that the new edition just, it, it feels 
like it like it oughta, right? It uh, it works like it should all the time, and it's it's fantastic. Uh, super excited about. It. And again, the infusion of new terrain and new models. Uh, I feel like Gur has finally come to life. You mix that with some of the Dominion terrain and some of the uh, like the Shrine Luminor and some of the other stuff. You have this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful terrain setup that works for any game system you want to play. You can use it for your Dungeons and Dragons models for all that matters because it's so good. And it really adds to the aesthetic and the play feel. And uh, every new player I've had come in has commented on the terrain. Like, wow, this is a really cool table. And I'm like, you know, of all the things that we have, we have Eric's models over here who are fantastically kitbashed and beautifully painted and my models that are not painted. But you've got all these other wonderful painters here. <laughs> and and they they're like, yeah, but the terrain. And I'm like, I know. Uh, so kudos to everybody who has their terrain painted. You're the real hero today. And I would do a quest to get you on my team. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's just such a good game. I like the terrain. I like the game. I like the play. Uh, the narrative system is fantastic. Uh, it's very streamlined. Uh, the quests don't feel quite as uphill battle-y, right? You don't have unwinnable convergences that need a specific set of three things to happen on the third new moon of Gur, uh, while Kamon is in retrograde. Like, you don't need that stuff to have happen to, to win your, your events to get your things. It's just, it's a good system with good playability, and you should definitely have, have some fun with it and write your stories and enjoy them. Awesome. I just, one more thing to say, Vint, if you like catacombs so much, why don't you marry I it? I would marry it, but we wouldn't have children because then they'd beat me at war cry. <laughs> <laughs> Sons and daughters. Oh my. <laughs> and what kind of last name is Catacombs Kwame? Come on. <laughs> you can name it after the location. Ventraxis. Ventraxis. Come on now. We all know it was named after Exactly. All right, guys. Well, that's all for everybody. Check us out on our Discord. It's themortalrealms.com slash Discord. Check out our website. It's themortalrealms.com. And uh, we have stuff. We're always around chatting and uh, talking to the people and engaging. So uh, also, if if this gets out in time, make sure you go in and get some votes uh, for that warband. Uh, and I'll make sure to start posting some pictures. So. I thought you were going to get political and say, hey, midterms are in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the, you know? <laughs> War it's, Cry it's midterm. Go vote. Go Archeon or Bellicorp. Archeon or for sure. The first ones did nothing wrong. <laughs> Look at the scoreboard. Planesh <laughs> still in change. Vindicarum. Toast. Right. 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 Bellicorp forever. Chaos Legionnaire. Soldier up. Uh <laughs> Narwood on the right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, have a great night. Yeah. Adios. Adios. It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good dog, support the show with a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. Share it with friends. Join us for hobby discussions at themortalrealms.com backslash discord or leave a tip at themortalrealms.com backslash patreon. More content is available at themortalrealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry. Welcome to the Midwest, I'm the truth, the